Hello, everyone. This is Lisa Freitas. And I'm Katie Saad, and welcome to another episode of 90 Day Disasters, a 90 Day Fiance Recap Podcast. We are two moms, lawyers, and reality TV junkies here to break down for you the fire in a trash can that is TLC's 90 Day Fiance. All right, everyone, grab your K-1 visas and let's get started. Oh, and because we are lawyers, we need to cover our butts. So please listen to the disclaimer at the end of the episode. Hello, and welcome to Season 6, Episode 3 of 90 Day Fiancé, Rough Landings. (laughs) Originally aired on November 4th, 2018. And I'm Lisa, and I'm here with... Hey guys, I'm Katie. Katie. All right, so should we just dive in? Definitely. We are back to Jay and Ashley, um, and we're about to meet his father. Which is very telling, because I believe that, you know, um, he is very much like his father. I think first, he didn't grow up with his dad, but you can tell just in the way he acts that he he's so impressed by him. Well, not only does he, I mean, I agree, he appears to emulate him. However, he, Jay, says that he wants to be better than his dad. You know, he's sort of suggesting that it was like, it almost seems to me like Jay thinks his dad is a little bit of a throwback. I mean, that's just just sort of a guess because he also says that generally speaking in Jamaica, there's a cultural thing where you have this sort of paradigm of, a ladies man and they have a they have different slang for it like they call it being a skin or being a gialis i think it was which was fascinating to me because i had never heard either of those terms. yeah i mean the skins thing is a little disturbing but yeah i mean i agree i think that it is and i mean he's kind of lived his life so far like his dad so psa to any of you parents out there or people who are around children at any given time be a good role model Because our children are watching. Well, it's funny you say has been around because Jay, I think, says that his dad wasn't really around. No, I know. But that's what I'm saying. Like, if you're... Because he was running around with women, essentially, is what Jay says. But no, of course, your point stands. I'm just making a separate point that, No, that's why I'm saying if you're just a parent, you don't have to be around to be a parent or to be a father or a mother. But, you know, people are still paying attention. Your kids are still paying attention. You're absolutely right. And it's really interesting that his dad supposedly was running around, you know, essentially sleeping with women, apparently driving a taxi. And meanwhile, his mom is living in the her tail off to provide for, you know, who I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, I wonder if the dad made any kind of financial contribution or how Jay might feel about that. Now he doesn't seem to have any hard feelings towards his dad, which is kind of admirable. Yeah, I feel I get the impression that like, this isn't unique. I mean, in my own family, like extended family, I don't understand how I have some cousins that are just like, you know, they just aren't the working type, you know, but they find these women to date them or marry them or have children with them who like work their asses off and who like are working three jobs and are supporting they're lazy butts and I don't understand how that happens but clearly this is another example where the dad clearly didn't feel compelled to be the one to hold down the fort and mom steps up and is working her butt off not to say that it doesn't happen the other way but this is just 
I'm making a huge generalization, so please don't berate me. But I'm just saying, like, um, it just, this isn't a new story where the mom is working her butt off to support her family. And of course, it's also not a new story that you have a guy who's sort of generally irresponsible and just, you know, kind of sleeping with as many women as he can and only thinking about himself. I mean, it definitely seems like the dad. I mean, he's certainly being presented that way. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm not surprised because it's pretty it seems like it was pretty easy to paint him that way. And of course, he's sort of a fascinating character. I mean, like I said, just culturally speaking, I've never heard of any of this, you know, this sort of glorification of the Jamaican man sort of sleeping around and I I didn't know it was a thing yeah and it's interesting and Jay I mean I think the idea is that Jay was like his dad and is no longer like his dad but when you have a person who's only how old is he 20 (laughs) who's only 20 years old you haven't exactly like lived a full life much less an adult life you know of having relationships although as we know Jay says that he lost his virginity when he was it when he was 12 or eight eight yeah, eight. So I, I think that I had like repressed that because it's hey, so horrifying. By the way, when you're eight years old, you don't lose your virginity. You were sexually assaulted. Oh, absolutely. 100,000. <laughs> it's not called losing your virginity. It's called you were sexually assaulted. And it's concerning that he put it that way. You know, yeah. it's like he doesn't understand it at all. No, it's it, and and I love how like Ashley takes credit for the fact that Jay no longer wants to be like his dad. You know, she's like, I'm pretty sure Jay was just like his father, but not since he met me. I don't think she actually believes that though at all. <laughs> well, I think I don't believe it. <laughs> I'm actually I'm surprised that she has been so open about sort of, you know, looking the other way while Jay is still in Jamaica as far as his extracurricular activities goes. I'm very, very surprised that she didn't just take the straight-up denial route. Um, And it actually, it shows a certain amount of integrity that she's like, yeah, I'm owning this decision that I know a lot of people are going to disagree with. Yeah, I can see that. So, okay, so I'm done with them. That was kind of dark for me, that that segment, by the way. Yeah, it was a little bit dark. I, I don't know. I think that's kind of like the theme of this whole episode. Like there's just yeah. like, kind of like a dark aura before it gets to like the good stuff. I agree. Uh, um, so next we meet Steven and Olga who are both 20 and Steven is arriving in Moscow to meet up with Olga who is very, very pregnant with their child. Yeah. And he's very concerned about that. I mean, he says, that, quote, having a big belly takes a lot out of a person, which I think in theory was supposed to be out of consideration for her comfort. But I get the impression, and we've said this before, and he's said this before directly, that he's mostly just concerned that she's not going to be attractive to him while she's heavily pregnant, which is pretty repugnant. It is, but at the same time, I mean, these guys spent, like, what, two or three months together? You know, No, only, like, six weeks. Even better. Like, they spent six weeks together. It's, like, a total summer romance. I think he was probably wondering if she still was attractive to him right. and attracted to him, regardless of whether or not she was pregnant. The pregnancy does add a little wrench in the whole thing. But, like, can you imagine being, like, having, like, a summer romance and then meeting up with them, like, in during the school year, they just happen to show up or something? And, like... That's a good point. You know, you're like, oh, gosh, I hope I still like them. I hope they're still tan. I hope they, you know... <laughs> 
it's like in Greece, you know, at the yeah, beginning, and they meet, and then it all gets fucked up as soon as they're like back in their normal environments and stuff. Yeah, I think that's a really, really, really good point. Because and they're twenty. That. That's why I'm thinking like high school. Like you go on a summer trip with your summer vacation with your family. You meet up with some, like you meet some kid. You like think you're in quote unquote love, and then you know you go back home and you start high school or go back to high school and they show up because they've been transferred to your school and you're like oh this is so weird out of context I agree (laughs) you're right it's like fish out of water totally and they're I mean they're 20 they're they are pretty much that kind of young and that immature yeah when they went when she met him at the train station which I thought was super sweet because you know he's gone through pretty much the ringer getting there it's never easy to travel to a place where there isn't even like our um, alphabet being used you know i mean yeah. in russia it's cyrillic like something like the two map you can't just rely on a dictionary um so i mean he's obviously been you know and he's never left the country i don't think he'd ever been on a plane um i think he said that yeah i don't think i'm so not either. positive but i thought that i thought that when they met you know she came and surprised him at the train station it was like equal parts sweet and kind of awkward you know because they clearly don't know each other really at all yeah um but they they have to be intimate you know like immediately because they are sharing this unborn child so it was kind of a weird thing he kisses her stomach she's sort of embarrassed by it a little bit it looked like she's very emotional um and ultimately i thought it was cute but it just looked kind of surreal yeah it was a little bit surreal but i think they were very sweet and like almost pleasantly surprised by the other person (laughs) i thought it was funny that he was walking too fast you know given how like heavily pregnant she was because i've totally been in that situation where it actually happened a few times with my dad like when i was like walking with him my my parents live around here so i see them a lot like if he and i were out walking together when i was very pregnant i remember he's a fast walker and he would always walk you know basically way ahead of me (laughs) my (laughs) husband would do it too and I think it's a guy thing where they just really have no concept of what it's like to be that pregnant no for sure they don't um so I I think one thing that was really sad and interesting to me is you know we got Steve's backstory about how he was kind of thrown out of his mom's house and he's basically been living with his grandma on and off and he's very immature and you know is his grandparents even say like he's just a mess but then you know we hear that Olga basically grew up in an orphanage and so she doesn't really have parents either and the whole thing just seemed very sad to me that like these two kids I mean they're essentially kids are gonna have this baby and neither one of them has a clue and neither one of them has any sort of support like not not even financial, but just emotional support. You know, I mean, I just think back to like when I had my first kid, I was 36, 37 years old. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And my mom and my sister were there when I had the baby, you know, and they were there. My mom came and stayed with me for two weeks. And then, you know, my mother-in-law came and stayed and same with when my second baby was born. Like, and I was, I'm, I'm older even. And I feel like I couldn't have done it without the support of my family and my husband's family so I just I feel it uh, my heart hurts for this this couple because not only do they not know each other very well but they don't even have any sort of support to help them I know I mean I happen to be in the thick of this right now because I have a baby that is like I think tomorrow she's going to be six months old and she's my second child 
and I've already done this. I'm 31. I have both my family and my in-laws around. I have a very supportive husband and raising, having a newborn is just hard. Like it's hard on every single level, no matter how good you have it. And, you know, one thing I actually think about sometimes is the Kardashians, because so many of them have little babies right now. Mm -hmm. Um, You have Kylie, who's incredibly young, like these folks. I think she was, I think she was 19 or 20 when she got pregnant. I'm not sure. Um, And then Chloe just had a baby. And then Kim's had a lot, but she also just had a baby. And I always think about, huh, I wonder what it's actually like for the Kardashians who literally have, I mean, not literally, but have ostensibly unlimited resources (laughs) to sort of throw at this thing. But, you know, for me, even on days that I have a babysitter or I have someone helping me who isn't in the family or whatever, I feel guilty. Like I want to be with the baby. There's no way to replace time, you know, that you sort of lose with your baby or that you're, when you're breastfeeding, you know, if you, if, if for whatever reason you can't breastfeed and, you might feel guilty about that. No one else can do that for you. You know, we don't have wet nurses anymore. Yeah. And even if we could, you know, in, if, if that's something you want, then that's something you'd be missing out on. So in other words, there is actually not necessarily any way to make it easy. No, you know? because it's hard. It's all relative. I mean, you can have all the resources and nannies and everything, but that can life's still harder than it was before you had a little baby. <laughs> right. Because it's either, you know, like thought, like your brain is just overloaded with Con- yeah. worries I mean I remember I yes. especially with my first baby I was up all night just making sure she was still breathing alive yeah, exactly you have that whole thing <laughs> I'm like, like wait okay. a minute wait a minute do I see her chest moving wait I don't think she's alive yet wait let me let me check you know and of just to have somebody fine. who's that important to you you know yeah. yeah I don't know and so I I could not agree more I look at these two and I have the same feeling when I watch another TLC show I think you've seen it too called unexpected oh yeah that's sad Wh- which is, it's very, very similar to me where you have these essentially kids, you know, who are just so unprepared. And a lot of times they don't actually have fantastic family support. These two have, as you pointed out, no support, you know, like she was raised in an orphanage. He was kicked out of his house when he was still a child and his father's dead, died when he was a child, you know, he has his grandparents or whatever. But I mean, I, you're right. I mean, not only do they not have support, but they don't even necessarily know what effective parenting looks like because they didn't experience it, yeah. it seems. Yeah. So I... they're like extra unprepared and they don't know each other and they're so young and they're from different countries. I mean, and at the end of the day, there is an actual flesh and blood child at stake here. No, I agree. I think it's... So it's horrifying. It's hard. I'm so worried about them. <laughs> I know. Uh, I, I, I'm hopeful that... Well, I think because they're on the show, they probably will end up in the United States. Um, right. So, I, I hope so I'm hoping that at least they'll have his grandparents to provide some level of support. Maybe, you know, you know and, and it's not like people haven't been doing this since the beginning of time. Right. You know? Of course. It's just, I just think of it like, I feel like I'm very fortunate to be in the position that I am raising my kids, but it's still hard. You know, and it's so, still so hard just to put myself in her shoes just seems very stressful. And I get anxiety thinking about it. <laughs> you know? It's funny. I'm just now sort of not fighting, but like d- sort of disagreeing with my husband about whether we'll have more kids. You know, we have two. One of them's a little baby. And I literally want to have at this moment, I want to have like as many kids as I can possibly have. You're like I just insane. feel insane. 
I know. Okay, whatever. That's fine. Maybe I am. But I'm like very, very, very into it. I have a baby. I'm in the thick of it. And he's in the thick of it too. And so for him, it's like, whoa, pump the brakes. Like we have a little baby. It's a lot. We have a toddler. It's a lot. You know, two kids is enough kind of a thing. And it just really goes to say, you know, he's not even sort of the primary caregiver. I'm home with the baby. So, you know, I'm the one who's really dealing with the baby sort of day in, day out. And it's still tumor him, you know, to the point that he doesn't want to even think about doing it again. So that just goes to show, you know, no matter how, no matter what your situation is, it's just so overwhelming. And they don't even know. They don't even know that. Like, at least my husband and I have the benefit of all this experience of having babies together. These two have no clue what's coming. That's the part I think maybe that's the scariest is how big of a surprise this is going to be. And we're seeing them before the bomb drops. Yeah, it's so true. It's like a slow motion car wreck. So anyway. All right. Well, I'm ready to go to Leda and Eric. Yeah, you're right. I shouldn't be like emotionally taking this on. (laughs) This is is becoming too much for me. I guess I'm probably hormonal. (laughs) So yes, let's move on to Eric and Leda. I thought that... Uh, I thought they were kind of cute, like touring as a family around Philly, although Raina was kind of like a third wheel or a fourth wheel. She is like a cartoon character. I can't think of who she reminds me of, but she's yeah. so like Debbie Downer, like, uh, she almost reminds me of, so, you know, The Incredibles. No, I haven't seen it. You've never seen The Incredibles? I really hate kids movies. Like, oh, I hate them. man. I hate cartoons. Like, I, I, I just absolutely hate it. I don't know what I'm going to do with my kid. Hopefully, my husband will watch these movies with them. Okay. Well, for any of you out there who have watched it, she totally reminds me of Edna, the, like, um, seamstress that makes the superhero outfits because she's so, like, dry and, like, uh, and kind of tells you how it is and a little snarky. Um, anyway, I know it's lost on you, Katie, but no, and there's, there's something another... about her that just, like, stri- like or like Daria or something. You yeah, know? Daria. And there's someone else. There's actually another cartoon character I'm thinking of who has, who I think is supposed to be Asian and who has like a very blunt cut Bob. I can't remember what show. Cause like I said, I kind of avoid these shows, but there's definitely another cartoon character as well. You're right. She's definitely cartoonish. She's sort of a caricature of like this very door, you know, unhappy. But then again, she's also in a bad situation because she clearly does not want to be here. I don't think she wants Leda to be with Eric. I have no idea why she was sort of sent along ahead of the parents. I don't know what the it's dynamic is there. It's a weird, crazy family dynamic where, like, yeah. the yeah. mom, the dad, Raina, and I guess there's a brother, too. They're all hmm. sort of, like, trying to help this, like, crazy Leda. You know, like, she's the, like, the you know, the black sheep who, like, kind of went off and got married apparently and had this kid and can't take care of herself and so everybody has to like all hands on deck come to the U.S. to make sure she's making a good decision well because even if they're not worried about her they've got to be worried about the kid right which is I think the primary concern and they realize they're a package and so Raina starts talking about this is like the most disturbing conversation for me but Rain wait, is... wait, wait. I know where you're going before Whoa, that. Yeah. I just want to point out that Eric says that Leda, of her family, doesn't know that he's poor, <laughs> um, which is interesting. I mean, I get the impression Leda has some idea of what his financial situation is. I don't know why I think that, but I do. And if her family, you know, has a, has a totally unrealistic belief about what his financial situation is, I don't understand how he thinks this is going to go down. You know, they're going to be visiting they're going to get a feel for him and 
you know, he already knows that they have her kind of under their thumb, it appears. So where does he think this is going? I don't know. I, I get the impression that he may understand that they have influence on her, but I don't think he recognizes or appreciates the level of control they have over her life. Like, I think he thinks, well, maybe that's it. You know, they might not like me and they're just going to have to suck it up and get over it. But I don't know that that's really the way things work in their family. So I think that's what's going to be sort of surprising to Eric. Because I think he's kind of like, ah, she doesn't like me, she doesn't like me. You know, but, you know, about Raina or like the parents, I hope that they like me. But, you know, they're in for a surprise if they thought I was rich. But it's not like, oh, my God, I hope they don't take her back. That's probably, you're probably, I mean, I think that's a very fair guess. Because when I heard this, I was like, you know, he says, oh, it's all about money and status in Indonesia. It's like, yeah, as opposed to here where we don't care about money or status at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you're right. Maybe he's just figuring that, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, it, it's not going to matter. You're probably right. And then, sorry, we can totally move on. No, to, no, it's fine. Um, what you were going to bring up, which was oh. a very concerning conversation. So yeah, why don't you go ahead and summarize it? So Raina comes in and asks about child support. So clearly Raina and Leda have this idea that because child support isn't a thing, uh, apparently in Jakarta, Indonesia, that Eric, it's not a thing here either. And Eric is just, you know, out of the goodness of his heart, giving his ex-wife, a bunch of money every month and what's disturbing is either eric hasn't explained the concept of child support correctly to Leda, or she hasn't done enough investigating on her own but the but the two of them reina and Leda, are talking about his child support obligation as like something he's just decided to do because he feels like giving his ex money and you know i i understand like aside from the fact that I think people should support their children just because they're their children. Aside from that, that should be like, that alone should be acceptable to her and she should just shut up and back off. But in addition to that, child support is mandatory. It's not like an option. So like if he decides not to pay, he could go to jail. And she thinks that it's, if he doesn't pay that he's going to lose his parental rights. And so that's why he's paying Child support and parental rights are not related. I mean, you have to relinquish your parental rights or they have to be taken away from you because you're an unfit parent, not because you don't pay child support. Like it's so they, they, they're so misguided and have no idea, but it's not just ignorance. It's that it is really going to impact negatively her relationship with Eric going forward. If it hasn't already. I mean, I completely agree. I, I, the thing that I don't understand about this is her apparent total lack of understanding of the situation. It's like, how hard is this to explain? How could she not understand like what a law is and how people can be required by law to do things, even if they're not required for the sake of argument, if they're not required by law in Indonesia to play, pay child support, they're required by law to do other things. You right. know? Like, that, that's, that's a cross-cultural thing, that there are laws. And, you know, you and I know this. We learned about this in law school. There are different laws in different places. And sometimes it depends whether the law of one place or the law of another place applies. But it's not generally hard to understand that some things are legally required or legally prohibited. Right. So I just don't understand how she and Raina, for that matter, because even, even assuming that Leda is just sort of so whatever, what, put whatever pejorative term you want to put on it, childish, selfish, whatever, 
you'd think that Raina would get it, you know? Yeah. And it seems like no one can understand on their end just the very basic child support laws. And so it, it, it really raises the question of what Eric has been saying to her. Right. And maybe he's not propo- pre- presenting it as a law. Maybe he's more presenting it as she has my daughter more time. I'm the one who's working more or earning more money. I have to support my child. Even if he's explaining it like that, like that should be enough. And I think that part of what is feeding this like negativity around the child support issue is that, you know, Leda's not getting any child support from her ex-husband and clearly her husband doesn't have parental rights. If she's able to kind of leave Jakarta with her five-year-old and move relocate to the United States. I mean, I don't know, maybe she and her ex-husband have some sort of like agreement or they've talked about, you know, custody or how the little boy is going to see his dad. I don't know if he's in the picture or not. I don't know what her circumstances are, but she expressed that, you know, he doesn't have to pay her anything. Of course she lives like a queen and her parents clearly have plenty of money and are willing to financially support her until they, pass her on to Eric who I think that's the primary issue is that Eric is just not financially equipped to to keep Leda uh, you know in the lifestyle to which she has become accustomed in her parents home I couldn't agree more I think you put your finger on it I think that what would make more sense than her just not being able to comprehend the idea that he's legally required to pay child support or alternatively that he would pay regardless which he did say yeah Italian grill scene um, <laughs> that we've all tried to forget about. Um, but I think what, what makes more sense is that she is essentially projecting, yeah. you know, that she's, she's a bitter about the fact that she's not getting any child support or any help from her ex-husband and B she has some awareness of the fact that she is going to be going way, way downhill as far as her lifestyle is concerned. And so she's choosing this particular thing, which probably has very little bearing proportionally to either of those issues mm-hmm. um, that she's just putting it all into this basket of like, Oh, here's something that I can blame. Here's someone meaning Tanya that I can blame. So I'm not going to blame the kid um, for the fact that I'm a, you know, not getting child support from my ex-husband and B that this is, you know, I'm now going to have to live less, you know, fancily than I'm used to. And I think that's totally misguided. Well, of course it is because even if he wasn't paying child support, She's still not going to live like a queen. I don't think so. She's not even going to live like, that. you know, the housekeeper. Like, their lifestyle in in Wisconsin is so much different than it is in where she lives in that pal- in her parents' palace. I mean... It is an amazing, amazing house from what we could see. I mean, yeah. it was off the charts. I mean, I think that she's going to be... She would be in for... If it wasn't child support... It would be something else that she would blame. So I agree. It's just, and and I don't believe that he's paying astronaut. I mean, the child support that people have to pay here in the Bay Area is way, is pretty high. But like, I can't imagine that in Baraboo, Wisconsin, he's paying thousands of dollars to his ex-wife. I mean, he's probably paying a few hundred bucks. Isn't it tied to just what your income is? It is, but it's dependent upon what the cost of living is where you are. So yeah. even okay. even within the Bay Area. So when we run the program, it well, you have to put in whether you're in Santa Clara County or Alameda County or Sonoma County or whatever county you're in. You put that into this thing called a DISO master, and it runs the child support numbers. 
and based on where what county you're in, it'll calculate a different amount. So it, it's not a, a huge difference, but there is a difference between like whether you live in Alameda County or whether you live in Santa Clara. And there's a much bigger difference between whether you live in the Bay Area or Baraboo, Wisconsin. Oh, for sure. So I mean, that's going to be a huge differential. Right. And then the taxes, the state taxes. Like right now I'm doing, a, I have a case where one of the people moved to Washington and there's no income tax, state income tax in Washington. So that affects how much money you have available for yourself and how much you should be getting in child support. So there are so many factors that like, I cannot, I would be shocked if he's paying anywhere near or more than $500 a month. I think it's far less than that. So it's not going to make a dent in their lifestyle. It is concerning. I mean, for him to be, it appears, living relatively close to all the members of his family, his wife and the three kids. I mean, one of the kids lives with him. And then it seems like they all kind of live in the same area since they met for lunch. Um, how, how, you know, obviously they're going to be kind of involved in his and Leda's life together. So if Leda is starting off with this kind of, bitterness and resentment towards Tanya, which is what I'm picking up on, um, that is going to spell some serious trouble. And even worse, look at the kids, you know, think about the fact that her, she's bringing a child in theory, that child should have relationships with Eric's kids. And, you know, well, they will because he's adopting him. Oh, yeah, you're right. That's true. So he's going to adopt this little boy. So they're going to be siblings, essentially, yeah. legally speaking. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's going to drive a wedge. I would imagine this, this notion that she has, although maybe, maybe now that she's here, she'll be able to get a better understanding of what the actual legal requirements are. It could be that they just haven't actually talked about this very much at all. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe he's avoiding the subject or whatever, but it's going to be pretty clear. I think. Yeah. Especially once she meets Tanya. I don't know. I don't know. It's concerning, but it's at the end of the day, it's not that big of a deal. A lot of people don't like the fact that they or their spouse has to pay child support. That's not like off the reservation. No, it's not. I mean, I don't love that my husband pays child support to his ex-wife, but yeah, why would you? I, I mean, you just... But at the same time, like I would be horrified if he like didn't pay. Yeah. Like you should absolutely pay for it. And I am a hundred percent supportive of us, you know, helping my stepson for in college and you know I, I mean he's my stepson he's one of my kids so yes. I'm a hundred percent behind us supporting him and whatever he needs so well you raise an interesting point there Leda clearly is not apparently is not considering Eric's kids her kids like on any level mm -hmm. which I mean that's problematic you know she is going to in theory be their stepmom so she sort of derides them from the jump, like, and doesn't think they are deserving of their own father's resources. That is troubling. Yeah, it's true. I mean, he still has a minor daughter. Like the other two are yeah. adults, but like he has right. an 11 year old. She's still a kid. That's young. That's young too. That's not, she's not 17 and this is all going to be moot in a year. No, you know? it's going to be long-term. <sighs> all right. Well, I'm doing with them. Okay. Back to, you know, you're so right. This is such a dark episode. Now we're getting to cold. Oh. And I'm remembering, what happened in this segment, although it did start hilariously with baby girl being found hiding in his closet when he opens it to show Larissa. It was a sizable I closet. Know. And he says to baby girl, this is your new mother. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Colt is disturbing 
on so many levels. I mean, I, I just, I can't even, like, there's just so many things. And I feel bad for him. I really do. I think that he's sort of had bad luck in love. And I think that he has really taken on the responsibility of being pretty much everything to his mother. And now he's trying to get something for himself. And I don't think it's going to go very well. I think he aimed too high, to be honest with you. I think that Colt needs to like, I, I think that like, I mean, I hate to like, this isn't even just about looks, but about compatibility. Like, I feel like he went internationally online dating and found a hot girl and she went internationally hot you know, online dating to find an American who's going to support her. You know, there's otherwise there's no connection between these two people. They're, it's like they're both yeah. very different in levels of like self-care and, you know, and stuff like that. Like she clearly takes care of her body and wants to be like, you know, done up all the time. And he clearly doesn't. And so I just feel like there's, I don't even know what they would talk about. Like, it seems like they're not compatible on any level. I mean, I think you have to consider, though, that he apparently had had absolutely no success in relationships before. It's not just that no, he... No, I agree with that. I you believe know, you know, that. I believe that so, 100%. So if, and this is a big if, but if she is really just manipulating him and trying to get over the United States, it's this perfect double whammy for him of like, A, having someone who's actually talking the talk, right? And like, and again, manipulating him and trying to draw him in. And then on top of it, she's drop dead crazy gorgeous. So, I mean, come on, how could he possibly resist that? I get it. I do. I guess so. I just feel like Colt isn't an idiot. Like he's- Oh no, I think he's smart. He's not one of those guys that like, you know, he's he's not mentally challenged in any way. There's no like- I, I just feel like you're a smart guy. Like, do you honestly believe this woman came over here, you know, and it had no expectations? Well, I hate to say it, but I think he might be thinking with his little head. No, I agree. I mean, I agree. I just think. Which, I mean, every, I think probably every man in the world has, has done that yeah. on occasion. Oh, I mean. I mean, they're like built that way. <laughs> I agree. I just think this is just such a mismatch and such like a. It's a huge mismatch. Like, and it, but it's so blatantly obvious. Like, did you really need her to be here for you to realize that you have nothing in common? It is hard to understand how he could have been so sanguine about it. I mean, it's, it's a huge disaster right from the start. Right. right. To the house. She's super she disappointed. Yeah, she's already hating on Vegas. They finally get to the house. It's a perfectly nice house. She, like, scoffs at it. He has no sofa. He totally pulled a Jonathan, and he was like, oh, well, we were going to pick it together. But, like, in the meantime, you just have an empty room, which is awkward. Yeah, I mean, I just think – I feel like – and maybe this is the, a difference between women and men, and I don't want to be super sexist and overgeneralizing. But here you have these two guys, right, Cole and Jonathan, who – are playing it off like they're being thoughtful by leaving their houses, their apartments or houses empty because they want their new partner to be a part of the decoration process. I think it's laziness because then you have somebody who we're going to see later. You're going to see Ashley who brings Jay home and she's totally decorated the place and makes it look so nice. It's so impressive. And, and maybe it's because they the guys just don't give a shit and they know that girls care more about that stuff. I don't know. I just think it's such a cop out because he's like, Oh, look at this beautiful house. And we pan over to two life-size snowmen 
in the middle right. of this empty room. And I don't know, was it Christmas time? I have no idea. I don't know. I think I think Debbie just likes chilling with her snowmies. I <laughs> I think you're right because but that's disturbing. And I I mean, did they never have a sofa? Did they just move in there? Like isn't the mom a little isn't Debbie a little bit like annoyed? Like we don't even have a sofa cuz we're waiting for this girl. Debbie actually meanwhile starts crying. She says it's cuz she's so happy. But I really don't buy it. And Larissa's pretty cold to her. Well, yeah, Larissa, I, I think Larissa's in shock. Like this, I do too. This is so not at all what she expected. She's, I 100% she's probably, agree. I'm, I'm imagining, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Larissa's a total bitch in this situation. And I do feel bad for Debbie and Colt. Like this is, it's sad to me. And it, and it makes me mad. Like I feel like Larissa just went too far. But at the same time, I feel like Larissa's probably freaking out right now, thinking, holy shit, what the hell did I get myself into? Because they already have their K-1 visa. I couldn't agree more. And I'm glad you said that, because I think that it's so easy to look at it from Colt and Debbie's perspective and to forget about Larissa's perspective. And, you know, she could be just so bowled over by Vegas being like a hellhole. And, you know, the house would have had to be, I think, a McMansion for her to not be disappointed because she was already in that mode, right. you know, of being, of being disappointed. Um, and to top it all off, she's not happy that he lives with his mom. So again, like the house was always going to be a point of contention. And I think that she thought it would be made up for by the surrounding area. And it's clearly not. So I really can easily put her, put myself in her shoes in this situation. Although I think it's really sad for all parties. Like she immediately says, let's move to a bigger house with a pool um and and debbie's response is oh well you know i thought maybe you could decorate however you want to and then and then larissa takes issue with the slot machine that's in the dining room which i get i would not like that either but then when colt says oh it was my dead father's larissa has what i presume to be a a nervous laugh but it's truly horrifying like it looks like she's laughing that this guy is dead yeah i think it's like a nervous smile i mean i agree i i just feel like and and I don't think she's right for feeling this way, but I just think Larissa came into it just like she thought, all right, I can put up with this like dorky American guy um, who maybe she's not entirely attracted to. Yeah, if she can live the life and, that she wants. Right, and his mom, if he's going to have this like mansion in Vegas or like a penthouse apartment in, you know, one of the awesome casinos, um, I can deal with all of that. I could deal with this guy and his mom as long as like she's on the other wing of the house. Right. And then, but it ends up that like, oh my God, we're in this like condo townhouse and like the outskirts of Vegas. And it's like fucking hot as hell in here. And, and the car is dented. The and car it has doesn't no AC. have AC. And this guy's a dork. And his mom is like bawling and crazy. And we live in this tiny space together. Like, are you fucking kidding me? So I, I understand why she's disappointed. And I understand why she's acting the way she's acting. But it doesn't excuse the way she's acting or that she had those expectations. Like, then maybe you shouldn't marry, you shouldn't marry somebody and move to the United States just for money. It, they definitely are painting her that way. She's definitely seeming that way. 
Um, and then also there's sort of a lack of basic courtesy, you know, yeah. like Debbie cooks a meal for her. And it was pretty clear to me that Larissa would have eaten the meal if it had been something that she wanted to eat. Like she was hungry and then she sort of asks, oh, what did you make? And when Debbie says that it's beef stew, suddenly she's lost her appetite. Yeah. Um, and that's just horrifying. I mean, just manners wise. Um it's just not, it's not the way things are done. And it's also like, what does she think is going to happen? Like she's what going to go to bed hungry now. And I, I think that is what ends up happening. And right. it's just kind of crazy. It's like, she was sort of melting down and she had to go run up to the room and just be alone. And Colt and Debbie are just kind of downstairs twiddling their thumbs. They know this is happening mm-hmm. and this is supposed to be somebody who's going to live with them. So it's almost like having, it's almost like meeting your college roommate, you know, and like really hating them right off the start. It's like, yeah. Whoa, this is going to be, intense yeah i agree all right so are you ready to move on yes jonathan and fernanda are really boring me at this point yeah um they're they're doing this thing that they frequently do in 90 day where they're showing kind of how boring it is for the foreigner to be in the country at the beginning especially during the 90 days because certainly during that time and then i believe for some time after until they get their actual green card which doesn't happen until after the marriage is my understanding just from watching previous seasons of the show that they can't work. And so you have in theory, the American fiance or spouse out all day and then they're at home and they're bored and they show this, especially with Molly and Luis, I remember. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're doing it here, but of course it's boring for us too. Like, I don't want to watch her sitting in this, you know, bachelor pad twiddling her thumbs. That's not fun. Right. And she's like, and this just really brings to light their age difference. Cause she's like, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm bored, I'm all by myself, I can't work. And how am I going to make friends? I'm not 21, so I can't go out. And Jonathan's friends are old and boring. <laughs> right. You know, and and I mean, they're a lot of it, most of his friends, I think, are like married and probably, you know, going to start having family. So they're not going to want to go out and party like she's used to doing in her country. I mean, they're just in such different places in their lives, yeah. you know. No, I mean, I'm not going to go hang out with a 19-year-old, you know? Like, we wouldn't want to do the same things. Right. So, well, Danny. (laughs) This was nice of her, I think, to, like, take her out or whatever. It was nice of her. So, she takes her shopping. And, and, you know, Fernanda decides that she's going to um, confide. She doesn't really have anybody else. And she has no reason not to trust Danny at this point. And... She doesn't have, like, her family to talk to. I mean, I'm sure that she doesn't want to necessarily talk to her sister or her mom about maybe the negative experience she had when she first got there about finding the thong. Because she just moved her whole entire life for this guy. You know, she doesn't want him to come off sounding like an asshole. And then, so, she confides in Danny because she really doesn't have anybody else. And she tells her what she finds. And Danny... You can just see it in Danny's face that she's not surprised. (laughs) She's not surprised. I think that Danny was kind of throwing her a lifeline and Fernanda like really picked it up. Like she got very open, very vulnerable, which I think was smart. You know, I think she totally brought Danny over to her side, which is great. You know, I think that Danny is like fully in Fernanda's Corner, corner for sure. And is really no longer in Jonathan's corner, which is great because Fernanda needs her and Jonathan doesn't need anyone, frankly, supporting him in his douchebaggery. No, I know. And she, you know, says like, you know, he's just not thoughtful like we would have been. He's an idiot. And and I get all of that. And Danny's right. I'm She's not wrong. It's just that, you know, Fernanda, 
if he's already not thoughtful during the dating engagement phase, you better buckle up, sister, because it's only going to get worse. Yeah, but she doesn't say that. Instead, she says that you don't have anything to worry about. No, I'm saying that to her. I'm saying to Fernanda, buckle up and don't have kids. Because if you think being thoughtless and an idiot is only going to last through the engagement phase, it's only going to get worse when you get married. Although Danny, I don't think, is married, so she wouldn't really know that. No. So it's kind of smart for Fernanda to find, like, a single friend, you know, even though she's much older, at least she's not, you know, like married with kids and totally out of the game. No, I agree. That's true. All right. Well, we're going to have to take a quick break because Petey is um, calling for attention. But when we come back, we will discuss Kalani and Asuelu. Sounds good. Hello and welcome back. Um, and let's start talking about Kalani and Asuelu. Yes. Um, okay, so I find it fascinating that Asuelo is surprised that on his first morning in America, he has to change a diaper. Yeah, especially when he says it's because in Samoa, women take care of babies. <laughs> Which, I'm, you know what, fair enough. Like, we are talking about, I think, I, th- I, w- I would venture to say it's a little bit on the rarer side in within the 90-day universe that you're dealing with a culture that is more, I would say, has more of an it takes a village mentality. I would say, literally speaking, like he is from a fishing village is my understanding. So, you know, this is probably the only person on 90 Day who can kind of legitimately say, yeah, this is how my culture actually is, as opposed to sort of just being paternalistic and not wanting to get his hands dirty. Yeah, that was my impression. I really give him the benefit of the doubt. I I agree with that. I mean, I agree wholeheartedly. But dude, you're in America now and it's the 21st century. Well, and also, you know, and again, this is the thing that you and I keep noting, or at least I keep noting, they keep having these surprises come up that I just can't imagine being surprises. You know, if there's one thing that is near constant, you know, in the first five months of a child's life, it is like never ending diaper changes. So how could he not be aware of that just by having stayed in touch with Kalani all along you know it's like it yeah. is multiple multiple times a day so I don't know I, I know that. I I mean to be fair like just one generation behind my dad I'm sure has never changed a diaper and it's a thing I mean I know women I know my own contemporaries here in the Bay Area whose husbands have never changed a diaper oh, so I think I think with my younger daughter for sure my husband has changed more diapers than I have Fair enough. And that's definitely not true in my house. I mean, I absolutely do more of that. I would say even on the weekends when my husband is around, but it's partially for me, I'm very guilty of the maternal gatekeeping thing that I, that I mentioned previously. And that I think Kalani is a little bit guilty of, which is, and for her, it's like even more pronounced and legitimate actually than in my case, because my husband's been around physically around since the birth of each of my children versus for her, you know, she knows that Asuelo's only spent two weeks with Oliver, but I think that I certainly do this. And I think she's doing it where she's like, well, you're not going to do it right. So I'm going to take over. And I think it was good here that she was taking the time to actually teach him how to do this thing. And I, which was changing a diaper in particular. And I just hope that despite his, I think, you know, fairly founded, grounded, sort of surprised that he's going to be so involved and hands-on. I hope that he takes the direction and learns to do it well enough so that he kind of, ha- in my opinion, has the opportunity to, yeah. to have those moments. I mean, obviously changing diapers isn't glamorous, but it is actually a major part of dealing with a baby. So 
You know, the thing that I think is kind of annoying about Kalani is this. Look, I get that it takes a village to raise a child. And I get that, you know, having support is important. And But, you know, they stress, so she stresses especially so much that she, she's been doing this all by herself. She's been single parenting and she can't wait until he comes and takes half the load and stuff. But, you know, it's not like she's on her own. I mean, her mom no. comes to pick up Oliver every single day in the morning. She, her mom said that she's been at Kalani's house, quote, almost constantly, I believe it was, yeah, since Oliver's she, birth. And then she was living with the sister, who says later in this episode that she was essentially the father to the kid, which means Kalani had two, not just other people, and I'm sorry, I'm going to go ahead and be sexist here, other women yeah. <laughs> who tend to be good, even just from the jump, even for her sister who hasn't raised a kid, certainly for her mom, no question, who has raised kids. She has two women who are clearly have been very, very devoted in terms of time, energy, and ownership, frankly, yeah. of this baby. So I actually totally agree with you. And I find that a little bit, um, I don't know, a, a little, little disingenuous. I mean, I get, I do th- definitely think it's important for Oliver to have his dad. And it's great that his dad is here. But to keep putting this, like, sort of expectation that he's going to take over half the duties now because she's been doing 100% is a little bit, is exactly that disingenuous. Like, I mean, come on. You've had a lot of help. And that's great that she's had help. And I get that it's still really hard. Um, but let's not have such high expectations of this poor guy who is coming into the situation as a new father and kind of as into a new country that's way more developed than what he's used to. And also, I'm not sure why, but I get the impression from all parties that he is somehow being being blamed for the fact that he wasn't there which is a little odd I mean I'm not sure if that's what they if they really do blame him it seems like they do I mean the mom makes these comments that he has to make up for all this lost time Kalani refers to herself as a single mother I mean a lot of times at least the the trope the cultural trope is that a single mom is someone who's been left you know by the father of their child and the father is not there to help etc it's like that's again disingenuous in this case if he if if in fact he got there as soon as he could just under the immigration laws. And that's just not fair to him. No, it's not. But I think what was interesting too is like, I mean, he gets genuinely very upset and sad at the thought that her parents or her family hates him. Oh, it was, you so know, sad. I mean, that is he very sad to the beach and, well, and he started crying. I, I mean, know. I, I don't know. It, it was, it was kind of brutal. And then, but then he says, if her family doesn't accept him, then he'll just go back to Samoa. Yeah, which I thought was, I thought that was just childish, yeah. really. I don't think he means I it. I think he's just young. Yeah, I think he's just young. And you know what's possible, too, is that he figures in his culture, which is also in Kalani's dad's culture, who's the one that's probably going to take the biggest issue with him. It could be that if the family really doesn't approve, yeah. that that has, like, more weight than it would at least in my like waspy culture I don't well know. and i also you know i think we also need to just acknowledge that like it's hard to come into a new situation anyway but to come into a new situation where there's a baby or a new relation a relationship that's relatively new with a baby is sort of it's it's extra hard like things don't just automatically work and there's a huge age gap too I mean, she's 30 and he's 23. 
Right. I mean, that's seven years. And he is a very immature 23. And maybe immature is the wrong word, but like kind of um, innocent or naive 23. Yeah, I think he's naive. And she's not. I mean, she lives in Southern California. She's got, she's been raising this child for five months. You know, it's, it's going to put them in very different places. It's going to be really hard for them to make it work. I mean, I hope they do, but like, it just, they just seem, I, and that they're another couple where I'm just like, where's the like connection? <laughs> where's the connection? I agree. And then also I get kind of like a first world problems vibe from these. And I, and I know you've said that too. And it's interesting. Cause I mean, he's not from here, but she is. And, um, you know, you think about them where they have, at least she has this overabundance, frankly, of support. Mm-hmm from her family. And then you think of our friends, Steven and Olga, and it's like uh-huh. worlds apart, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, it's like if Kalani and Asuelo have to have these, like, you know, it's drama essentially with them to me. Yeah, It feels just like drama, kind of like manufactured, not manufactured by TLC, kind of manufactured by Kalani and like her family. Oh my and- God. It's so like, everything is so like, <gasps> my family hates you or they're going to be so upset or it's like this whole, and I'm like, come on, man. It's, it's, it's not that serious. It's really not. I mean, they have a healthy, beautiful baby. Asuelu was able to come over here and live here. You know, they clearly have some, you know, some means, enough means for her to take care of the kid. What's the problem? You know, it was kind of a weird start. And I get the Mormon thing. And maybe, maybe we are a little bit lacking in perspective because we're not, at least I'm not religious. I don't think you are, right? So it's like, you know, and not only is she religious, but she's Mormon. And I personally being relatively relatively ignorant but i know i know several mormons like that's a more intense religion yeah is my understanding so i and and the whole virginity thing and um so i can understand if in fact the family is like very very devout which i don't actually really get a beat on personally but maybe they are then that could cause the kind of drama you know and judgment too Mm mm-hmm Absolutely. But it is, it's kind of lame. And I, and I think everybody needs to put their big boy pants on in, in this case. I think Asuelo kind of is. I mean, I think he's doing his absolute best from what I can tell. Other than that sort of throwaway comment, which I, I didn't even believe. So. Yeah. All right. So now we see Steven and Olga. And he really didn't even see a future with her until she got pregnant. And felt like, well, now I have to have a future with her. Uh, you know, actually, that's a good point. I mean, he really, really didn't. <laughs> he did not no. have to do that. I mean, she's from Russia. She was going to have to go back. I mean, frankly, it is the perfect situation for someone who wants to kind of shirk his responsibility as a father. You know, yeah. he, they weren't married. He had absolutely no connection to this woman. And she was going to have to go back. And although... Yeah, no, she would have had to go back. So she really wouldn't have had any means of of holding him responsible. And he held himself responsible. So I think that that speaks pretty highly of him. Yeah, I think that's great. And um, but whether it lasts, I think, is the concern. Like, is yeah. he just going to turn tail when he realizes? I mean, he hasn't really been part of this. Right. He's been gone. So And he's also very focused on, on his son and ha- being a father. And in like having this son, but like it's all just a very arbitrary concept to him. Like it's it's very vague. It he doesn't have any idea what it's going to be like to have an actual living, breathing infant son and have to yeah, be like and- an actual involved parent. And 
I mean, this is just exacerbated by the fact that she was expecting him to bring everything for the baby, and he brought like a bu- like a nursing. Yeah, pillow. let's let's talk about what he brought. He brought because I have almost everything that he bought. He brought a boppy, yeah, which is this like nursing semicircular pillow. pillow that you use for nursing. He brought a nursing cover, which is only really used if you're breastfeeding in public. Which I don't know whether women do that in Russia. I have absolutely no idea. I know even here in the Bay Area, it's quasi controversial. I have a nursing cover and I never know like if the person I'm nursing around is going to be offended that I'm using it or offended if I don't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then also this funny little there, it was kind of a co-sleeping thing. I believe it was this thing that you put in between you Mm -hmm. in a bed so that the baby can like sleep in bed with you safely, which, you know, I actually saw these things and I thought, Okay, like they, they're things that took up a lot of room mm-hmm. in his suitcase. So that made a little bit less sense as opposed to like bringing, you could bring a shit ton of baby clothes in a very small bag. I mean, those right. things are small and they're foldable. So it's interesting that he brought these like large items that weren't going to pack very well, but that conceivably would be very expensive in Russia. I mean, those things are even expensive here. I can't even imagine how much they cost over there. Right. So, but I, I mean, I thought it was kind of sweet. You know, they they were legit things. I use a boppy. I know. You know like, I mean, you know, they were legit I things. I thought that was sweet, but I also understood her kind of like that's it. And it. But did she give him a complete list? I mean, to me, that was unclear. I felt like they were making a list to go to the Russian store. Well, they to buy were. This stuff. They were now. I think what happened is, and this is just me thinking out loud here. I think what happened is she has no idea what to Agreed. get for a baby. And I he agree. has no idea. There but are I, a thousand like lists on, 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 I got my, you know, lists of baby stuff from online. I mean, no, I on. know, but they have, they're clueless. And I don't yeah, know. I mean, clueless. do they have laptops? Do you have computer access? I mean, they obviously well, do he does. some, but like he doesn't seem like the most sophisticated person either. I think maybe that's why she expected him to bring this stuff because he just like, maybe he generally had more access, but he doesn't. I mean, she's going to a hospital. She has a real doctor. I mean, the idea that she would, you know, the idea that she can like Skype with him or do whatever to stay in contact with him with her smartphone and she can't Google, you know, the top six items frankly, you need though, to take care of a newborn. She might have. She might have sent it to him and he just yeah, got like a couple just things. Just lost it or yeah, whatever. I mean, yeah. He, that did seem like what he is a 20 year old guy for crying out loud who has no idea i would never doing. have entrusted any man frankly to get me like my baby yeah stuff. but she doesn't have know. a choice i mean usually also you it, when i mean quite frankly when i was having a baby i knew people who i mean i had a lot of stuff because people around me had a lot of stuff too and and they give you and stuff and in, that, and in this case the luxury not. of like a mom who was like really excited and you know, Same. a mother-in-law who was like really, in it. so, you and know, they're just getting you stuff. Just yeah. get stuff and you're around a lot of people who have babies. I mean, they're 20. They probably don't know a lot of people who have babies. Speaking of having babies in Russia, um, this was absolutely fascinating to me. There were a couple of just like little cultural things that I was completely unaware of. A men are not allowed in the delivery room. Yeah, like, I mean, that what is so is old. That. I was watching actually an episode of Mad Men recently where Betty Draper, the Don Draper's wife, like the main character, she is giving birth. And so Don brings her to the hospital. He's wheeling her in a wheelchair. A nurse comes over, takes the wheelchair from him and says, okay, your job's over now. Go to the solarium and like start drinking. 
and she's going to go in and have this baby. It's like, that's how anachronistic this is to me. Yeah. You know, for us, we would only see it in a show about the 1960s. And here in Russia, it's like he has to get special permission just to be in the delivery room. Like, and then beyond that, and I don't know if it's just because she particularly is presenting with some kind of signs of labor being imminent or if this is generally the case, but she's nine days out from her delivery day, due day, excuse me, and she's supposed to go to the hospital in two days. So she's supposed to go like a week before. So I'm wondering if that's a thing there that they're like, oh, you know, we kind of want you to be here. We want to like monitor you so that when you do go into labor, everything's in place. I mean, in the United States, it's kind of a joke because you you they'll send you home if you go to the to, to the hospital in labor. No, I but know. just like not far enough into labor. Yes. Like, <laughs> that's so, so that's true. just crazy to me. It's just interesting. I wonder I wonder how those policies came about is all I'm saying. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's very odd. Um, I think that it's very American of him to be like, of course, I'm going to be in the room, you know, it's not just American. It's also, to me, I, and I've seen this happen to other people. At, and just throughout my life, like a lot of times men make pregnancy and birth about themselves. <laughs> like, they I think that they sometimes some of them lose sight of the fact that it is a very, very physical and emotional process that is basically a hundred percent born by the mother and so it's like for him he's like well i have to be in the delivery room he's like stressing her out about this she's like running around trying to get him spent like a permission slip but and i don't like, think fuck you you're not the one having the baby and i but I, to, to be fair to him though i feel like you know he's not pregnant he's not going through he hasn't been going through nine months of getting pregnant of or being pregnant and he's not you know go, gonna be delivering the child he has no connection so for him he's like i absolutely have to be in the room it's almost like he's trying to do whatever he can to be relevant in this whole picture because quite frankly he's not you're right you're 100 percent correct i mean i can completely see that side of it too um i just it just kind of seemed to me like he was stressing her out a little bit and i thought that that was i mean there's a lot of a it, little insensitive like so because when i was pregnant with my second daughter I remember well I remember thinking even with my first kid like my husband went with me to a couple of my early doctor's appointments and the big ones like when we did the ultrasounds and right those big ones but all the other ones in between they're like a 15 minute appointments they're, they're like, so annoying it's like pee in a cup and yeah. how are you doing okay you're measuring fine see you next month in a couple mm-hmm. weeks or whatever and I, I always thought like I had friends where like my husband has to come to every single one of my appointments if he doesn't come I'm gonna be so pissed and I was kind of like I would tell my husband all the time like don't leave work for this it's gonna be it'll take you 25 minutes to get to the appointment the appointment's gonna be 10 minutes long and then it's gonna take you half an hour to get back to work like it doesn't make sense and I remember thinking that and I remember him thinking no I really want to be there and I feel like it's a little bit of like that whole thing where it's the least I can do (laughs) you know what I mean like yeah except that that that's assuming that Olga even wants him in the delivery room like she's presenting it as he's being really weird he has this obsession with being in the delivery room and I get that it could just be a cultural thing where to her it's like it's just not even like a thought in her mind that he would be there but she certainly doesn't seem excited about it yeah I mean also you know, she's only known this guy for what a summer. Yeah, I don't know if she wants. To and now like, she's gonna like very intimate right. locale. I didn't even want honestly, and I had C sections, but I remember both times I thought I was gonna deliver vaginally, and I was like so on the fence about whether I would let my husband. I mean, he would he would have been in the room, 
but letting him like be down there, you know, where the action is. I really honestly don't think I really wanted him to do that. And he was like totally insistent that he was going to want to watch. And I was very conflicted about it. <laughs> Luckily, it ended up being a non-issue. <laughs> well, for me, with my daughter, my older daughter, I had my mom, my sister, and my husband all in the room when I delivered. And That's a lot. I even had a mirror because she wasn't no. coming out. And they put a mirror down there to help me, which actually, before I, ha- I went into labor, I thought that was disgusting and would never want to do it. But it was actually the thing that helped me deliver her. <laughs> Yeah, and you know what? All bets are off when you're actually. I know, I know, and then I didn't mind, and I think my mom was down there like watching the whole thing because obviously she didn't get to see her own children be born. Um, It's like nursing. It's like breastfeeding. Like it's 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 not it's not what it is if you're not dealing with a baby. You know? Yeah. Like I mean, I had no qualms about nursing anywhere. I just didn't give a shit. I get nervous about offending people. I I don't. Do you know? I I feel like. If there's, a, like, an old guy around. Well, I'm then like, he oh. can leave if he's going to be offended. Like, I just did not give a fuck. I'm like. No, and I don't think I should care. I, I just know, do. I know, I know, I know. But you're much more, like, you're much more put together than I am. Like, I just don't <laughs> fucking give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, I dare you to come tell me not to nurse my child. Bring it. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it, no, old man. I hear, I, I'm honestly scared of that happening. Oh, like, God. I can't imagine how unpleasant that would be because I actually have a very... And you haven't seen this side of me yet, but I have a very bad temper. Oh, <laughs> and I have a bad temper I try, too. Ooh. I try not to let it out, and I've gotten better over the years. But if something like that actually happened to me, where somebody would come up to me and say something like that, I have a, I would be more afraid of my own reaction. Oh, I would <laughs> than of crazy. that actually happening. In fact, yeah, I yesterday there was a kid at the at the playground, and he was a little bit older than our kids, and he was throwing a full Gatorade bottle um from the top of this the slide and at cruzy park at the park he was like throwing it down and everything and there were little kids around so this mom i was with is like god i don't want to say anything i'm like i'll go say something and i was like i I was getting hot i was ready to go like pull that little boy by the ear and take his Gatorade bottle. I'm just kidding. I would never put my hands on another child. Please don't email me. No, but telling him, telling but I would definitely stop I doing like, that or take the Gatorade away. Maybe. Well, and that's what she that. said. She she finally went over there and she's like, "Look, I'm watching you." And there are little kids here. If I see you throw that again, it becomes mine. And he got mm-hmm. in her face and was like, "It's my property." And she goes, "If you th- are you serious?" Yeah, she's like, "If you throw it, it's not in your possession anymore. And if you hit somebody, that's assault." So yeah. watch yourself. Even if he doesn't, isn't it? I remember this from law school. I was always confused by it, but I, I feel like there was this thing that if someone throws something at you or looks like they're going to hit you and it, even if they miss and it like just, but you see it and it like scares you that that counts as something. Well, that's assault. Do you remember that? that that's assault, that's assault, right? assault. Yeah. As opposed to battery, battery is when it actually you, yeah. touches. But if you just throw it at, if you throw something at somebody and it misses, that's assault. Or if you like, come at somebody and and somebody pulls you back it's still assault like if you have the intent and if you're like coming at somebody and that person is fearful of you because they believe that you're coming at them that's assault the battery is the actual contact and anyway personal property my ass like if he really was throwing it oh my god you know that's i i can't can't believe he said how old was he that he talked back to her like a fourth grader or something i don't know wow but i was like bring it i was so ready to go after that kid yeah that's that's what i worry about (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I know. My yeah. poor daughter would be like shunned because this kid goes mortified. Yeah. She'd be like, Mom, exactly. what are you doing? Like, I don't piss so, me off, kid. All right. So anyway, I don't know. I, I the whole thing was dark to me. Yeah. With I um, mean, it is dark. They're just dark. And then, ugh. speaking of dark, we have Colt and Larissa. Yeah, we have, we start off with basically a voice of reason conversation with his mom that was like one of the most depressing things I've ever seen on this show. I mean, the mom literally can't stop crying. Well, because she's so, she's so scared that Liz Larissa chick is going to like cut her. No, I think that she's scared. <laughs> you know what, what, what my guess is? My guess is that she's scared she is actually going to get pushed out of the house because what oh, she says. Sure. What she actually says is Larissa is selfish, she's demanding, she's not nice. And if she doesn't change, there's, quote, no future for them here, either of them. And I think to me that felt like best defense is a good offense, you know, where she's kind of threatening to kick them out because she's really worried they're going to kick her out. And I can understand that being absolutely devastating. It would be bad enough (laughs) to be there and have it be not like it was and not have him all to herself. Honestly, that in and of itself is probably a tragedy to this one. Well, but take it one step further and it's, oh. Well, what was curious to me is what she said. I mean, her words, like, is that her condo that she's letting Colt live in? I don't know. And then he's just like helping with the mortgage or he pays all the bills or like the utilities and stuff, but it's her house. Like what she got in, you know, the death of her husband or like, you know, the settlement or the what do you call it probate or yeah like the the state will or whatever yeah i mean is that her condo and she's letting him live with her and that's why it seemed like i mean the fact that she said that kind of suggested some level of ownership on her end that isn't there for him but of course it's unclear i mean the thing is larissa wants to move out anyway well it's expectations too like okay you said we're gonna your mom's gonna live there but you know your vision of what that means and what that is in reality could be very different i mean colt and his mom have a very enmeshed relationship i mean they have dinner together every night they're with each other all the time she drives into work she drives him home from work like they're with each other constantly and i don't know that if i were moving in with somebody and they're like hey my mom lives here too that i would be thinking oh we're gonna spend every waking hour with her you know because even when my mom or my mother-in-law come to visit for two weeks or something when she comes from ohio i'm not spending every waking hour with her like even there are some nights when I'm like, hey, we're going to go get dinner and she'll stay and hang out with the kids or whatever. You know, like there it's even when we're visiting, it's not like as much time as Debbie and Colt spend. I agree. No, I completely. I mean, and Larissa says it kind of in kind of a funny way. She says that it's, quote, bad to live under mommy's skirt. Yeah. Which is kind of true. true. I mean, and then she also says, I didn't know we would eat dinner together. Like just that most basic thing where it's totally part of Colt and his mom's routine. And Larissa just really didn't conceive of that being part of their routine. Like, I think she thought that they would sort of live parallel lives, yeah. kind of like roommates, yeah. as opposed to Colt is living as his mother's son, it seems, right. as opposed to just as his, as her roommate. Yeah, no. It, so it's, you're right. You're 100% sure. right. Like, I feel like it'd be like if, you know, something happened and uh, my mother-in-law moved in with us because, you know, she's a widow now. And so if she moved to California and moved in with us, she would obviously you know we loved we would love her as a part of the family but it wouldn't mean that we had to spend every minute together and go to like any any 
family, you know, outing would be including her all the time because she's going to want her own life too. And I feel like Debbie just doesn't, neither one of them have a life. Well, it raises just an issue of basic boundaries, you know. I think there are none. Yeah, and I think Colt and his mom, that's been working for them. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think the reason Colt wants Larissa in his life has anything to do with a desire to have less of his mom. Oh, God, no. Oh, no, no. You know, I think he just wants essentially a romantic relationship in addition to this sort of steady steady maintenance of his very very close familial relationship with his mom oh, for and, sure. and the idea and this is where the whole in-law thing comes in because you know it is obviously a trope it is a commonly it's a very very common experience that people have a little bit of friction or a lot of friction with their in-laws because you have this person, an outsider, coming into a family that's already established. And the boundaries of that family, or lack thereof, are already established. And the outsider can come in and be like, whoa, this isn't normal. This isn't how I grew up. This isn't what I want for my life. Mm -hmm. And I think this is like that, but in the most kind of magnified way possible, where very few people, I think, have the kind of adult relationship that Colt has with his mom. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, So, you know, it's not surprising that she just didn't, didn't I mean e- even I, like again I don't even blame her for this one like I think mm-hmm. this is something that you kind of have to see to believe <laughs> she just she hadn't seen it yet <laughs> yeah no I agree I mean the, it it's it's creepy on a level that I would be I mean I think anybody would be kind of like this is too much well the, the thing the thing though is that Debbie at least is putting in a lot of effort to be nice to Larissa mm-hmm. um and I don't see Larissa really making an effort in return. So no, that's true. You know, she's got. I think she's got some ownership. No, but she's I, also oh, for just sure. kind of outnumbered. You know, Colt Colt like kind of acts like he's in the middle, but I would say he's not really in the middle. I would say he's more on Debbie's side. Like he thinks he says at the beginning of the segment that he was hurt by the way Larissa behaved. You know, which of course she was arguably the one sort of quote unquote in the wrong. Like Debbie didn't really do anything wrong. Um, and Larissa was cold to her and she didn't stay for dinner and all that stuff. But, you know, Colt's already kind of on his mom's team mm-hmm. and that's not going to end well. Yeah. Um, are we ready to go to Eric and Leda? Why don't we pick up actually later with these two okay. so that I can yeah. go pick up my son from daycare. No, that sounds good. Okay. We will all be right. back. Okay. Bye. bye. Hello. <clears throat> Hi, everyone. We're back. We're, let's see, I would say about halfway through this episode. This is another one of those really long episodes. Mm-hmm. And we're back to Eric and Leda. This, this is interesting because, like, sort of at the beginning of the segment, it just, it looked like they, well, it was the case that they were going back, I'm guessing, to New York to pick up her parents from the airport. And clearly a few days have passed. They've been in this you know, little house in the woods or whatever in Pennsylvania or wherever it was. Mm-hmm. And my immediate thought was like, nothing's happening with these people. No, but it will. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe not. Like maybe they're a lot more sort of civilized, all of them than, you know, than maybe they came off at the beginning, at least sort of Leda and Eric and the idea that there was going to be all this, you know, they keep, and, and again, they keep setting up. They already did it in the previous segment. They did it again here where he says something like, oh, her parents don't know I'm not wealthy. And Leda says, if they find out, they'll make me go back. I mean, I'm starting to feel 
a little bit like it's sort of not real, you know, this, that this conflict is, is sort of made up. It might be. And that might be the case. I just felt like, especially in the scene when they arrive, like she is, first of all, Raina's like this, like Raina looks like this spinster. (laughs) Yeah. They're kind of making her out to look like that. You're right. Like, or some like bad nanny or something. I don't know. It's weird. Um, But I mean, Leda just like runs to her parents like she's some teenager, even though she's like 29. Yeah, they're definitely painting her. She's coming off very childish, just sort of throughout the series. I mean, she ends up sort of like backseat driving in the end of the segment. And I thought that was kind of off because it didn't sound like she drives in Jakarta because she has drivers. So it's sort of (laughs) one of those silly things where she's trying to tell someone else what to do that she doesn't even know how to do. Right. Which we are all guilty of, but it does. Of course, it is a little bit immature. It is. So um, I don't know. I'm a little bored with these people. The parents are perfectly nice. They don't look like they're snobby or like they have a bad taste in their mouth. The only person I think who's giving us any face is Raina. <laughs> oh yeah, Raina's irritated. She's super irritated. She's she just has like irritated. resting bitch face. <laughs> she totally has resting <laughs> bitch face. She does not want to be there. She's like, fuck this guy and Wisconsin. Like I don't want to go. But it kind of makes her my favorite character because she's like the only one that's giving us any life. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I hope that she sticks around at least to give us something to talk about. I do too. Um, Okay. So then we go to Jonathan and Fernanda. And And right off the bat, I have to point something out. Yeah. First of all, like they're showing, they're showing some room. I don't know what room it was. It's empty of furniture apparently, but it's absolutely covered. The floor is covered in what looks like her stuff. So it's as if, she sort of walked in or he walked in and like dumped her bags open on the floor of this room. It's very odd. But even odder than that is the Walmart shopping basket in the corner. Oh, <laughs> like he had one of those. That. Yes. That's why I had to like say it right off the bat. Cause I like barely noticed it myself. I'm surprised that the cameraman didn't like pan over to it in an exaggerated fashion because, you know, I mean, you, we've all seen probably, Certainly in the Bay Area, there's a, like, a large homeless population. And a lot of times you see homeless people walking around with shopping carts, you know, yeah. full of oh, whatever their sure. stuff is. And that's sort of the, the only time I personally, in my recollection, have ever seen one of those sort of in-store shopping things out, clearly outside of the store. It's like, what, did he take this out of Walmart? Did oh he walk gosh. out and not realize he had it? Like, what is the story I feel like I need to rewatch this? the episode now just to see that because – you do insane it's so weird and i like i said i'm very surprised that they didn't like enjoy that more yeah like even (laughs) even try to like make sure that we all caught it like you didn't even catch it which is totally fair it was just in the corner totally uncelebrated you know and and i need (laughs) to know the story behind this so just a like a call a call for for some sort of context or something i've literally never seen that in my life and i've been to college and i've been in dorm rooms and I've been in bachelor pads and like you know like this where it's all messy and people are sort of clearly living in a way that's a little bit you know less adults and ordered shall we call it but I've never in my life seen someone have one of those baskets in their house no that is insane yes so you're welcome on that thank you Mm -hmm. I I need to go check that out that is crazy um well and to that she says I feel like I'm living in a bachelor pad. And she is. She is. 
yeah, I, mean, I don't understand why she allowed all her stuff to sort of remain on the floor like that. That was surprising to me. I would have thought she would have like immediately been unpacking and organizing. And so yeah, I don't but know she's what nine, happened. She's also 19. And yeah. I, my 19 year old self, well, I'm not super organized now, but my 19 year old self was far less organized. Um, but the fact that it was just literally all sprawled out on the floor was crazy. I mean, it's one thing to just not have taken out of the suitcase, but why did she take it out and throw it on the floor? Yeah, I don't know. That, that is weird. And then he odd. hands her this like tangle of hangers. Oh my God, the hangers. I can't with the hangers. Like you're 32 years old, man. And they were wire. I mean, I have wire <laughs> hangers, but I've been like slowly but surely over the last 15 years been trying to purge myself wire hangers. Like I said, I'm not the most organized person in the world, but one thing I do have, one thing that it had been my pet peeve for a long time were the wire hangers. So like anytime I'd get my clothes dry clean because- I don't iron. I, if something needs to be ironed, I send it to dry cleaning. <laughs> you should get a steamer. PSA people. That's I too much steamer. work for me. I just. It's so easy. You just do it the day you want to wear it. It takes two minutes and you hang it on. You like the steamer has this thing that you hang it on, basically a hanger. And then you're just like really super freshening it up right before you put it on. I mean, it works like a charm. Maybe. I never iron. I never iron. I never and I don't iron. feel like going the dry cleaner. Well, like, that takes more time than steaming Yeah, it. I don't do the dry... I don't take it. My husband takes it. Well, that's the best of both worlds. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think Fernanda can be relying no, on Jonathan to take true. care of those kinds it's of things. It's true, but I feel like the one thing... So, whenever a wire hanger comes... I used, I mean, I have a collection. I had a collection of them because every time I'd get my clothes dry clean. And plus, I also, when I was actively going to court and, you know, litigating, yeah, that was I different. had a lot of clothes that were dry clean only. So I was constantly like going to the dry cleaner. And so I accumulated a lot of those hangers, but I hated them. So I have since totally replaced all of the hangers in my room, in my kid's room, in all the rooms to those um, really like the fuzzy ones. Yeah. The thin ones that are like joy from the movie joy, you know, the joy hangers. (laughs) Good for you, Um, man. You're like on the opposite end of the the Jonathan spectrum on that one yeah well just because it, it well it allows you to have more clothes because it's true they're, they're easily, so space efficient yeah it's just so great like the whole thing so anyway the hangers were too much for me when you just kind of like threw them at her it was depressing honestly yeah it, and then even more depressing is when she gets on the phone with oh her mom gosh. and her adorable little brother who should like be in the movies or like have his so own show cute. on the Disney channel this kid was like horrifically cute and she says that her mom, I mean, first of all, her mom is young. Yeah, very and young. Fernanda explains that she basically, I mean, it sounded like Fernanda was saying that the sort of life story was that the mom was out working all the time to sort of make ends meet. So Fernanda ended up caring for her brother and sister, is very, very close to her little brother. Um, and I can't imagine how hard that is to walk away from the family and for how hard it would be for the family, which I'm is, surprised there are no hard feelings on their end, to be honest. No, but I think because I think they see that this is a better life for her. Um, and I yeah. think that like, this just goes more to, you know, the authenticity of her feelings for Jonathan. You she's know? honestly kind of great. I have to say she's like way, way too good for this world, much less Jonathan. Oh, God. I mean, she's, she's a really good person. Good for him. Um, yeah. And it is heartbreaking to watch her with her family. Like it's, they miss her so Completely. much. And she misses them. And it's, it's just sad. It is really sad. And, it, and I really honestly hope he appreciates 
what she's giving up to be with him because she does I think he does because he mentions it all the time like he's nervous frankly because he knows just how much it is and how much is on the other side of the ledger yeah well he should have paid a little bit more attention when he was cleaning not cleaning out his drawers yeah I don't think she's gonna forget (laughs) that anytime soon I'm not gonna forget that that. gonna add up And then I thought it was cute that the mom said, I hope three of you come back, which means, A, that she wants Fernanda to move back to Mexico with Jonathan, and she wants them to have a baby there. Yeah. And I thought that was really sweet, because it was, like, the classic mom thing of wanting a grandkid, but, like, with a twist, because they also have, like, she's left the country. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then speaking of that, this was something that really bothered me. She was explaining... That Jonathan wants to have the wedding in Chicago where his family is. Yeah. Her family can't get visas, so they're not going to be able to come. And I can't, you know, I don't like judging people. I really don't. Oh, I love But that. I can't seem to understand how he can justify that to himself. That he's, she's left her entire family behind to live, and he can't even give her. I mean, Americans have destination weddings in I Mexico I was thinking all the time. that. I'm like, why not have a destination it's so wedding close. in Mexico? I was thinking the exact same thing. I'm like, that's I think so it's dumb. Insane. She's going to get married without her family wedding in Chicago. Like, have a destination. Chicago's nice. It's fine. Whatever. But it's less important to me. And, and this is why I'm, I'm assuming that we're missing some details here. Like, his grandma's a hundred, you know, and can't travel or whatever. But, you know, still, like, it's. I just, I, I really hurt. I ache for Fernanda, and I worry that he is just so selfish. Oh, you know for that he's sure. going to be making decisions like this for the rest of their lives, where he's just blithely, you know, because I don't think he sees. I don't think he appreciates it. Like I don't think he appreciates how hard that's going to be for her. I, I agree. I hope it's just that he's so short-sighted and immature that he oh, isn't sure. understanding how much damage this is going to do. But it doesn't stop the fact that the damage is going to happen. I mean, I can't yeah, I imagine getting married without my family. My sister gave birth two days before my wedding, and so she couldn't come to my wedding. And that was bad enough. And that was for, like, obviously a ridiculously good, totally unavoidable reason. And it's still, like, really – like took away from the day and I still had everyone else in my family at my wedding. So I just cannot imagine moving away and not having your family because you've moved away kind of a thing. Yeah. I mean, at your wedding, I, I, I can't know. either. I mean, my sister and I kind of planned our weddings in a way that I had given birth to my daughter three months before she got married. And I told her she could not get, she wanted to get married in the spring. And I'm like, that's when my babies do. And you cannot get married until you have to put it off until at least June. And she did because she Same. I wanted to be there and I, she had enough time and I was like, you just can figure it out because I want to be there. And then when I got married, I had to make sure that she was, cause she was pregnant. I wanted to make sure she was going to be there. So we just delayed planning our wedding until I knew when around when the baby was going to be born and that it would be plenty of time for her to be able to be in the wedding. But it still wasn't very much fun because you can't, I mean, I was like nervous. You can't do as much, yeah. But I I was there and if I could do it all over again. (laughs) I was already like completely done planning my wedding. Invitations were out before my sister even knew she was pregnant. So it was just one of those things. And I totally tried to change it and she insisted that I go ahead. So, um, but it was really sad and, 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 and it's still such a smaller issue, you know, right. than what Fernanda's going to go through. So I'm just very, very concerned for her. I think she's a very good person. She's very, in a very vulnerable position. And she's with somebody who either through sort of callousness or just sheer thoughtlessness is going to kind of like 
really just mess up her life. I do think, however, that she will just bounce. I do, If too. it's bad enough. And I think he knows that, too. So that might be her saving grace. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, I think she just really genuinely loves him. And... Oh, I agree. You know, I think this is... That's why she's there. Otherwise, she would have stopped putting up with his shit a long time ago. Oh, and I don't think this is a green card marriage oh, in any no way, way, shape, or form. No, way, no, way. no, it's just like a coincidence that he's from the United States. I think it's worse. I think she would have preferred that he be who he was and maybe have the means that he has or whatever, or the job he has, mm-hmm. whatever the case may be, but in Mexico. So she wouldn't have to leave her whole family behind. Oh, for sure. That's killing her. I mean, she looked devastated to me. Yeah, I think that's true. I think if, if there was some way she could convince him to move to Mexico, she would. I agree completely. And it sounds like the mom's thinking about that. So yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> you can't leave Lumberton. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> These places. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I want to just shake them. Um, okay. So Ashley and Jay um, are at the airport. And Jay says goodbye to his family. And he gets on, his, on the plane. <laughs> yeah, I just want to offer a quick hashtag, which is... Hashtag, what about Poochie? <laughs> that poor girl I like, standing know. in the terminal. Poor Poochie. <laughs> Aww. Um, yeah, I feel like... Hashtag culture shock. Like, I mean, what is... He is in for, well, as we can see, a huge <laughs> um, culture shock, weather shock when he gets to Maryland because it's fucking cold. Yeah, this cracked me up. So I grew up right by Maryland so the weather is exactly the same and in winter, you know, it gets really fucking cold but it's interesting because people who are from there who are so used to it you make this funny calculation every time you're going to go outside which is basically whether it's worth going through the effort of putting on your like heavy coat or if you want to just be cold for because and, and it really comes down to the amount of time because it takes a while to get into these like big puffer jackets mm-hmm. versus or button all your buttons or whatever versus just like jetting out if it's only going to take a few seconds so I thought it was funny that she made that decision oh we're just running out to the car I'm not going to bother putting my coat on or taking it out of my luggage or whatever and that's exactly what I would have done in that situation but he was being he's so unprepared for the cold she probably should have insisted that he put his coat on yeah, I know <laughs> I mean, that's for sure the coldest weather he's ever been in. And not to mention just cold. It's fucking snowing. Oh, yeah. No, but it, but you're, you get used to it when you're from there. And he's just so not used no, to it. He's I, from I'm literally sure the opposite. Do, so. But, like, I'm not from – I mean, it doesn't – it's not Jamaica in California. But even – No, it's not. When I go to Ohio and it's snowing, I'm like, it's fucking cold. Like, yeah, I've gotten really, really, really cold. Since I moved here, I can't handle it anymore. I, I lived in Alaska yeah. for a year after I moved to California, and it was not easy. Yeah, my husband can't deal with it either. Like, I mean, we actually were supposed to go to Ohio for Christmas this year. And um, cause, because our house is being remodeled, it's hard for his mom to come here. So Yeah, are you not going now? No, what we did was I talked to because I, I knew he didn't want to go. And I knew that it was going to be just a big trip, and it was going to be hard with the kids and yeah, no everything joke. and we're traveling a lot like in the beginning of next year so it was just going to be a lot and I just told him you know why don't we ask your mom if she wants to try to come because we the issue is that she has a bad knee and she's had a hip replaced hip both of her hips replaced oh and her other knees replaced and she also has like a heart condition so it's just like a lot of stuff and our only bathroom is upstairs I know so we're hoping that the down one of the downstairs bathrooms will be 
usable by the time she comes to visit by the, by Christmas, but it may not be. And so I said, why don't you ask your mom? She wants to come and she's welcome to stay here, obviously. But if there's no bathroom downstairs and it's too onerous for her to go upstairs, we can get her like an extended stay. It's true. Suite or a hotel for a week. She's only going to come for a week. So it's like, you know, she can get a big enough place that we could go there and visit with her so she doesn't have to be at our house. I mean, at least give her that option. If she thinks that's too much and doesn't want to do it, then she doesn't have to do it. But she was like, yeah, I'll go book my ticket now. So oh, that's so perfect. she's going to come here, which is great because we love having her here. And um, it just makes travel during the holidays is so hard with it's such a three kids and trying to coordinate everybody. And it's just, it's a lot. So Especially going to Ohio where it really is balls cold. It's fucking cold. My God. Every time she comes here during uh, winter, she's always like, oh my God, telling us about the weather back home. And I'm like, thank God we're not there. Why would we ever go there? I know. I don't know why anyone goes there. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, seriously. Um, So Ashley's concerned about Jay because, well, it's funny because first she's like, I'm going to run out into your yard in the morning when with into the snow because he's probably i mean it's fucking cold but he's probably like pretty excited he's never been in snow before you know oh yeah it's a novelty so he's like i'm gonna run out there buck naked and i hope your neighbors don't call the cops she's like uh yeah running around without your pants on in the snow is not a thing <laughs> no it's not and and they get into this whole thing about you know, there are sort of two issues here. Yes. There's worrying that her neighbors are going to call the cops just because he's black, which is sort of like a bid, I think, for, I don't know, It's it sounds like a manufactured concern a little bit. I mean, it may be legitimate, but it may just be that, like, the producers told her to say that because it's sort of the obvious, you know, drama thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the other issue, which I think is more legitimate in her mind as far as, like, her actually having come up with it, which is that Jamaican laws are very different and they're very lax mm-hmm. and you can have open containers and you can sort of not have many clothes on you can you can do public urination and she's like he is like he is more likely i think in her mind to get a ticket for public urination (laughs) than he is to like you know have the cops called on him because he just because he's black even though that could totally happen and i'm not saying that doesn't happen at all i just get the distinct impression that she didn't come up with that right (laughs) that that's true i don't i i believe that as well i mean and also i mean it's a pretty major concern to just kind of come up with after he's already here like wouldn't that have been something you kind of talk about before he gets well here? that's my point so and and i shouldn't say that she's not concerned what i should actually say is that it's probably something that she's been thinking about for a long time and that they've both kind of come to terms with mm-hmm. but that now that they're here it's like More. i think the tlc is trying to get the audience concerned that there's going to be some scene captured which i think would be incredibly I think that's incredibly callous of them, if that's true, by the way, because this is a very serious, legitimate issue. Mm-hmm. And I think trying to use it to kind of like drum up drama or ratings is is um, pretty calculated. And I'm, and I'm not saying they're doing that, but I got that impression and I got that vibe. Yeah. No, I hear you. I, I wouldn't put it past them. Uh-huh. I just don't like the idea of using that. No, I know. Like for entertainment value versus like the public urination thing is funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or open container or, you know, him walking around with no pants on for some reason or whatever it is that she thinks he's going to do. So I'm not going to say my friend's name because she might be listening. But I had this friend in law school and her parents came to visit. And so I went to law school. We both, you and I both went to law school at Hastings, which is right. in the tenderloin area of san francisco which is 
basically there are a lot of homeless people there, a lot of drug addicts, a lot of street crime, a lot of stuff like that. Um, And so, but you become conditioned to a lot of it. Like I remember going on campus and studying on a Sunday and like, as I'm walking from BART to, you know, um, the, the school, the front doors or to the library, uh, I run into like two or three people shooting up heroin on the street, you know, and you're just kind of mm-hmm. like, oh, oops, excuse me. And yeah. you become desensitized to it. And you also become desensitized to people like urinating or shitting on yeah. the sidewalk. You really do there because <laughs> you know, it's so of, commonplace. You everywhere. You smell it everywhere. It's disgusting. Um, yeah. And so her parents came to visit and her dad was looking at like, the architecture and like kind of looking at the stone that was used to build the, oh, the no. building and she was like dad and he's like oh my god what and she was like it went through my head I totally thought my dad was peeing on the wall because <laughs> she's just so used to seeing people who are like standing yeah. that close to the wall being yeah she's like, what are you doing and he's like I'm looking at the stone <laughs> that's hilarious it was like a knee-jerk yeah she's reaction. like what are you do- oh right of course because people do that you know <laughs> that is hella funny oh, i'm like yeah that would totally be something i mean we've i remember very very clearly walking to the yummy um mexican place that's behind the school mexican yeah there was like oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah place. and we used to walking there one time with her and some woman just stopped in the middle of the street or middle of the sidewalk and took a dump like right in front of us. <laughs> but they're crazy though. No, I, I, know, I know. I think they're all crazy. They all have and I always... mental health issues. And or they're high. Or they're high. I get it. It was just like, but the funny thing was. It's so it, crazy the we first couple like, times it oh, happens. Whoops, excuse me. Like it didn't. It did I know not you feel me. embarrassed. It did not deter me from going to the Mexican restaurant. <laughs> We were no, still going to go honestly. have our lunch. You'd go hungry if every time somebody like did something like that in front of you at Hastings, you like skipped a meal. Oh, for sure. You become emaciated. Yeah, no, that's true. Which, and also speaking with your friend about the wall, like looking at the wall, I did notice that the decoration, first of all, the decorations in general and the, the state of Ash's apartment was absolutely lovely. And I felt in very good taste, except that on the wall of her bedroom, it said Mr. and Mrs., <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny because they're not married yet. No, I <laughs> and know. how long was that there before he came? <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of funny um but like this is that was going to my point about like she's not waiting for his ass to decorate her house and make him feel comfortable she's, it is very girly though so i you know gotta wonder, i know you know it's very girly. but she didn't care like she's like i'm still gonna make it nice and if he wants to change it we can talk about it but and he's so impressed i thought that was really sweet he really acted like he was in the ritz carlton and it was a beautiful little house. It was beautifully decorated. But very that's neat. the thing. If Colt would have taken the time to, like, decorate yeah. his home, or if Jonathan would have gotten a fucking bed, she probably would have appreciated and said, wow, this place is really nice. Instead of, why am I living in a bachelor pad sleeping on the fucking couch? Yeah, it might kind of be a gender thing. Because even when they do make an effort, like, you remember Paul and Karini from 90 Day, when they meet for the first time and he brings her back to his hotel room, he makes her stay in the lobby for 15 minutes while he goes and puts a bunch of stuffed animals around the hotel room and hangs a mosquito net. Yeah. <laughs> like that was his idea of like decorating and making her feel comfortable, which actually, to be fair, she does love stuffed animals. So maybe it was legit. But I just I'm a little bit sexist in this way where I think the women are better at kind of like making making that effort. And they, I agree with you. I agree. In with an effective you. way. But I just think this whole like. 90 day trend of like I'm not gonna do jack shit 
to prepare for you coming because I want you to be a part of the process is like such bullshit. It's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't feel like doing anything. I'm a lazy ass. So I'm just going to go ahead and let you do it. A hundred percent. I agree. I think it's just a poor excuse for laziness kind of a thing. Um, But yeah, no, I thought her house was adorable and I felt like it was really cute and it was really sweet how like impressed he was and they were just really sweet for that moment. I completely agree. Um, All right. Are we ready for Colt and Larissa? Because I have a very, I I have to recount an entire conversation that started. So they, first of all, they're kind of in bed, which is so awkward. And I really, really didn't need that. I mean, I personally doubt that they had much going on the night before with their first night. I don't know that for a fact. I don't want to know that. The fact that the cat crawls up under the covers, like in The Godfather, you know, with the horse head, was deeply unsexy. And she's not happy. She's like, shoo, you know, like, go away. Yeah. Colt says, she's part of our family. And then <laughs> Larissa's response is, I don't like cookie dough because I think she should lose weight. <laughs> he says, don't fat shame my, my cat. cat. And she says, the cat's 200 pounds overweight. And his response was, you don't know what a pound is. <laughs> I just died over this conversation. I mean, it was perfect. Oh my God. It was totally, I agree. He was so deeply offended. I felt like he was identifying with the cat and it's as if she was calling him fat. So I have to say that if you are not a a pet person or not a cat person, having an animal in your bed is unnerving. Distasteful. distasteful. Yes. Like, Yes. I so I have at one point in my life I had cats with my ex boyfriend in when I lived in LA. That's and I remember our cats used to like sleep in the bed and it was super cute and cuddly. But I haven't had a cat in many years now. I mean, it's God, it's been almost twenty years, and the thought of having an animal in my bed sort of grosses me out. But I, it's because I'm no longer, I'm not really a pet person anymore. And I've never been a dog person. Um, I've never had a dog. Maybe I would be if I had a dog. But I don't have a pet. I mean, it's sort of like kids, you know, like you, yes. you there's so much of your, when you have a child, I mean. You're so invested in every way, emotionally, physically, like, I energetically. My kids, um, I wiped my kids boogers with my hand and like there's not yeah, a face course. I wipe it with my bare hand and like wipe it off on my jeans oh whatever. we all have like it doesn't bother me but I can imagine someone who doesn't have a child or does is not my child's family uh, parent would be like that is fucking disgusting you know I mean but it's and not I, it's not they I might as well it. be your boogers but I get it. So that's where I'm kind of like, I know people who have pets, they do treat them like family, but you have to be sensitive to the fact that she's coming into this and he's cookie dough and sugar bear or whatever the hell their names are. They're not her family yet. (laughs) And you have to kind of like feel her out. Like this might not be her thing. And she may eventually get there. When my sister and her husband got married, she wasn't really a dog person. Or when they first started dating, I should say. She wasn't really a dog person. But since that, and like the thought of like a dog sleeping in her bed and all that stuff was kind of like, ew, would never do it. But now she's had three dogs. She, you know, she's been married for a long time and they are a dog family. And so for her, now she's evolved and she loves the dog and dog can, you know, 
she snuggles with the dogs and everything but you have to let them get there like it's not going to happen overnight no i think that it, it, it it's a common thing too where once people get into that mindset of having animals in their in their lives in a very kind of intimate setting i think they start they start anthropomorphizing the animals they start thinking of them as people they you know he says oh she's part of the family and um i think once you're in that zone you actually start placing the animals on the same level of sort of importance as the people and if you're not in that mindset someone else being in that mindset is sort of off-putting and disturbing it's like no that's not a person that's a dog you know or that's a cat that's not your daughter you know but it is it is just one of those like deeply polarizing things like i can totally understand both sides of this and unfortunately Colt and Larissa are on totally opposing sides. But guess who's not on the opposing side of Colt is Debbie. Like, that, this is going to be an area where it's, like, two against one. For I sure. Think. She's going to have to get on board and fast. I agree. And now she's going to cook breakfast, um, which was funny. She says that she lied about sort of her cooking abilities because she thought that men sort of – place in sort of top priority sex and food and so she was trying to win him over and i was i don't know on the one hand it's kind of a funny like lucy ricky type comment yeah on the other hand it sounds like she was manipulating him well i mean i'm not surprised because she was probably but Um, i definitely manipulated my husband into thinking i was like cooler than i really was when we first started dating now he knows better you know what's really funny is because i was 36 no I was 34 when when my husband and I started dating and I did my 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 office mate when I worked at the law firm was doing um eHarmony and she's like will you just do it with me and I'm like oh I'm so not into online dating like that's so millennial of you and I'm in my 30s like I didn't grow up with this she's like just do it with me to be fun so we did it together like I we all we both filled out our profiles and then every Sunday we'd like look at who matched with us and it was like kind of like a fun activity and so I felt like I have nothing to lose like I wasn't really looking for a boyfriend I was kind of enjoying living by myself and kind of doing whatever I wanted and not having very many responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And so I was like brutally honest in my, um, my profile, you know, I'm like, I don't want anybody that's religious. I don't want anybody who smokes cigarettes. I don't want anybody who's been drinking, like who's an alcoholic basically, but you have to be able to drink with me. Um, like I was just kind of like brutal across the board and you have to live within five miles of like say, where I live. <laughs> Hey, you got to have standards. I was like super picky because I felt like I don't have anything to lose. If nobody fits this profile, then, you know, whatever. Nobody matches with me, then I'm done. You know, it's fine. So when I met my husband, like we were, we would talk and I was like, you know, I I was really honest at first because I'm like, I don't really have anything to lose. Like if he doesn't like me, then he doesn't like me. I'm not really looking for anything. And then I think later I tried when I actually did like him and I was like, oh, well, I probably should present better. But then I felt like, you know what? I think he really likes me because he knows me, (laughs) you know, without exactly (laughs) without you weren't taking that risk. (laughs) No. Um, But yeah, I feel like it's funny that I mean, I kind of took it as a funny thing. I mean, I think she was absolutely manipulating him, but. I mean, maybe he was manipulating her and making her believe that he had more money and more security than he does. Yeah. You know? I think that that's probably... I mean, that that could be true. Although he doesn't seem like much of a liar to me. 
No, but he could have embellished or I, I mean, who knows? I mean, she she looked pretty scandalized. Of, um, I mean, I don't think he 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 appropriately represented where he lived or what it was like. Or maybe he did and they just have very different ideas of of what it is. Yeah, I have a feeling it was like a pretty much just a miscommunication. Yeah. You know, like her expectations were off and he didn't really get that. So he didn't try to dissuade her, right. you know, from them enough. So it's kind of a perfect story. Yeah, no, I agree. And so, well, she ends up making breakfast. It was an interesting spread. I mean, it was like sandwiches. I couldn't really tell. It looked like breakfast sandwiches. sandwiches. Apples. And then what kind of looked like a protein shake. Yeah. And, but the thing that I was kind of like annoyed by um, and that I think Colt was kind of annoyed by is like she forced him to wake Debbie up. And her reason is I made breakfast for her to say, kind of like to say, I'm sorry. But right. in a way, it's like, yeah, but you know, Debbie made dinner for you and you were kind of an asshole. Yeah. Like you went to bed. She didn't come bother you. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like it's on her terms. Everything's on her terms. Yeah. But it was still a nice gesture. And Debbie does come and she appreciates it and and thinks that things are looking up (laughs) except that she tells larissa that colt doesn't eat bread for breakfast and that larissa needs to like learn how to make his favorites which was sort of like a trite mother-in-law comment to me it was and then it was weird because she's like he needs she needs to eat healthier or i couldn't i couldn't figure out if she if if debbie was saying he doesn't eat bread because he's on this like health kick but it kind of seemed like that it kind of did and then larissa Especially was saying the protein shake. larissa was like well i need to make sure he eats healthier because you know she's already bitched about him losing weight or like exercising more i don't know it was it was kind of odd i couldn't figure out where their disconnect was and how bread factored into it well larissa was saying he needed to eat certain foods at certain times which made very little sense but then she went on to say He's spoiled. He doesn't need to eat like a king for breakfast. So I think what was really happening is Larissa was like, look, I'm not going to make you a gourmet meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner like your mom did. Yeah. You know, you've been spoiled by your mom. You're going to eat what I give you. Yeah. It's sort of is sort of the impression that I was getting as opposed to it being an, a weight issue. I didn't really get that from her. No, I, I remember hearing like healthy eating and that's why I- it triggered that for me but she does say it's time to make changes which was like yeah. very ominous <laughs> yeah, I know. and then i what i thought was funny is like um was that he like laments like oh my god i hope mother isn't offended that um larissa's gonna take her place in the kitchen i'm like dude girl can't cook you have nothing to worry about yeah i don't think he has anything to worry about. she has anything to worry about i agree i feel like what would be good is if larissa just kind of like towed the party line and sort of just ate what Debbie cooked, you know, because then she wouldn't have to cook herself ever. She probably wouldn't have to clean up. Yeah. She'd be fed. Colt would be fed. Like, but I think that she, you know, she wants to kind of make her mark and it's not going to go over well. Yeah. I mean, I, if I were, I would be like, Hey, can you teach me? Exactly. You know, it would be something they could do together that she could learn from her. And I don't know, be kind of like a sweet thing. But I mean, the reality is she doesn't really love him. Like, that's the thing. Like, when they when they get into these sort of like weird relationship ish type things, I there's no incentive. Like she could really give a shit. 
That's true. I mean, I have to say, I think that the general idea, you know, a lot of people don't get along with their in-laws. That is sort of just a fact. But I think the general idea is you absolutely have to make that effort with your in-laws because you love your spouse. Right. And you know how important your spouse's family is to him or her. But she doesn't so, care. But if she doesn't care about him, then she's actually going to see Debbie, I think, more like an enemy because if nothing else, Debbie loves Colt. And I think that Debbie's kind of love for Colt and the fact that she wants to take care of him is going to be such a stark contrast to Larissa, assuming she really doesn't care about him. Yeah. You know, and, and then it's going to become essentially two against one. Like she really is going to seem like an interloper. Like she shouldn't be there. And and for, for Larissa, I mean, she is, she has already shown her colors as to like, she's the important one. Don't you love me? I thought you loved me. You know, I thought you loved, you're right. You know? And so she, she seems selfish, she's very selfish. She's like, you need to bow down to me because look at how amazing and beautiful I am. And you're so lucky um, to be with somebody like me. So you need to start appreciating me in a more substantial way. It's kind of, I know she doesn't say that specifically, but that's sort of the tone I'm getting from her. Same. I, that's how they're, that's how they're presenting. Yeah, for sure. And you always have to wonder about the edit. That's true. I, it always surprises me, but I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm cynical about these two just because I, I am just too, can't imagine what she could possibly see in him. But, you know, that's just me. All right. Should we go back to Steven and Olga? This actually wasn't that interesting of a segment. You know, they're going baby shopping and yeah. I think it was supposed to be kind of funny, but it was actually just sad. Like they, like you said, they didn't know what to buy. It's the blind is, leading the blind. It's the blind leading the blind. And he's very worried about money and I just didn't really want to see it. You know, I'm seeing like these things that they're going to have to buy to take care of this baby. And I'm so concerned for the baby, you know, yeah. and for their ability or lack thereof to actually take care of it that I was just like, I don't want to be in this Russian supermarket right now. Yeah, no, it was it was dark. It was just too dark. Was, these two are too dark. I actually think TLC shouldn't even have chosen them, to be honest with you. Yeah, unless, it's not entertainment. Um, it's not entertainment. It's, it's not. just sad. It is really sad. It's like a bad after school special. Yeah, a hundred percent. In Russia, yeah, I, I, where everything's dark. <laughs> <laughs> I feel, I just, I really do, just feel sorry for them. Like, oh god, I just, I want to take her shopping and I want to show her, like, yeah, how to take care of that baby, man. God, it just, it makes me sad. But yeah, I agree. That was a, that was hard. Now, the final segment for the show, for the episode, is Kalani and Asuela. This was, like, the much-anticipated family dinner. Um, (laughs) It was so anticlimactic. It was so anticlimactic. I mean, it was basically just, like, a very awkward, stilted conversation. It seemed staged to me. You know, I didn't think anyone was really being themselves, except for Lini. And I thought it was interesting. Lini was saying... That she was mad that Asuelu was kind of taking over her role as Oliver's dad. Yeah. Um, which is, it's tough to take. I mean, I get it. You know, I get that she put in all this sweat equity. And it was interesting because when they walked in, Oliver ran immediately to Lini. Like he was so, or crawled or whatever he does. I mean, yeah. he was so excited to see her. And I think it really kind of backed up her claim in a very real way. That she was just like intimately involved day in, day out. But you know, yeah. and it's hard raising a newborn. So she really was up nights with the kid and doing all these things. But she also can't interfere with Oliver's relationship with his dad. No, and, and I'm surprised she doesn't get that. Well, it, she seems immature. But I think that also part of this thing was that like it's so it's such a weird controversy with somebody like Azuelu. Like I could see them 
being the way they are with Jay or being the way they are with, you know, even Steven or like one of the other guys. Like I could see them being that way with him. But for somebody like us, Oswillo is such a, like a naive little island boy that like they yeah. walk in and he's like, hi, and gives them hugs. And they're the ones who are awkward. Like they're the ones who are making it worse. Like just chill the fuck out. Like it's so silly to look at Asuelu and think that he has some kind of like ulterior motive. Yeah, or I some mean, ulterior motive. Like what the fuck is he going to do? He's there too magoo. Like they can't her. even paint him this way. Yeah, but that's why it feels staged because it's like no one could look at that guy and think that. Yeah, because if they just he can't. if he comes and gets a green card, great. Then what is he going to do? Leave her and go where? Like the I mean, guy's completely guileless on the door on the walls on the house. Like I mean, come on. <laughs> You know, and, and Kalani says, oh, I'm not sure if I can marry him if my parents don't approve. And I, I, I have, I take some issue with her sort of, and she did at the beach too, kind of, you know, playing this role of like someone who's actually not going to end up marrying him or letting him be in his son's life or whatever, just because her dad is like grumpy. And he's, meanwhile, he's crying. Like, I think that Asuelu's taking this very seriously. Yeah. And the family is sort of just stirring up drama sort of in a very first world way and not understanding that he has very real feelings here and he feels vulnerable and outnumbered and overwhelmed and I think scared. I think Asuelu is scared that they're they're basically going to take Oliver and Kalani away from him and he won't even have any ability to convince them otherwise, like no matter what he does, you know, because he hasn't actually apparently done anything wrong except, you know, take her virginity out of wedlock. Right. Like, come on. This is in 1895. And he doesn't fit into this mold that the dad wanted for his kid. But newsflash, no kid, no happy adult ever lived exactly the way their parents want them to. No, and the other thing that's interesting is that if her dad was not Samoan, the things that he is saying about Asuelo would be completely unacceptable from like just like a racial oh for sure socio-political standpoint and it's like what he gets a pass for being completely prejudiced just because he happens to be from the same country yeah no like i, I don't buy that i don't think that's right it's, it's crazy off, like very poorly to me yeah that they're all so against this guy who's like the most guileless sort of cartoon character of a man i've ever seen and he's he's such an intimidating or so, tries to be such an intimidating force to physically intimidating to some even. guy who is like so like timid to a guy who's wearing a skirt <laughs> yeah i know i'm like come know on your man. audience like your daughter didn't run off with the guy in the motorcycle with all the a thousand you know percent. in the gang like she married the island guy who's like never seen a wall before like come on i couldn't agree more i i think that I think this is all kind of staged and it's just supposed to create drama. And I think Asuelo's not in on the joke and it's sad. Yeah. Cause, and then he apologizes. So basically they like have this awkward moment where they say hello. And, but Asuelo does what he needs to do. I mean, he says the awkward thing because he has to, cause it's yeah just weird to talk about sex with your you know future in-laws, but he does it and he says, sorry. And he takes responsibility and you know, the dad just, you know, gives him this, he says this weird thing. He says, um, you know, what are you going to do here? And Asuelo's like, oh, I think I'll do construction. And his dad says, yeah, it's a grind to make it here. The milk is expensive and the honey's not sweet. <laughs> that was kind of poetic. But also, like, you got to dash his dreams, man. This isn't the grapes of wrath. I know. <laughs> You're not living in the Dust Bowl, you know, in 1930. Yeah, I know. You live in Orange County. You're in an Airbnb. You yeah. know, like, everything's cool. 
I, I feel like that too. And I also felt like, I mean, he, Azuelo for, you know, on for his part, he kind of took the wind out of his sails, you know, like it's, uh-huh, it's what I would I say agree. like when, when anybody's, he disarmed him. He, of course he did. Cause he, he basically said, I'm guilty. I fucked up and I'm sorry. Yeah. He took accountability. So what are you going to do? Like, I feel like that's the way, like, it's so frustrating when you see people trying to defend themselves in on in the media or there's something happens like just fucking take responsibility i'll have so much more respect for you if you just take responsibility than trying to like explain it away or make excuses for yourself or you know try and ignore it or you know not make it seem like it's existing like just be up front like yeah okay i fucked up and we fucked up and i I apologize for that. That was not cool. You know? I agree 100%. What can you do? Yeah. You know, what's your argument to that? Well, and then the dad kind of just immediately pivots and starts sort of suggesting that he's not going to be able to make a living and or that he's just here to have like a better life than he would have had. And I think that it's it's really actually almost insulting to his daughter and his grandson that Asuela wouldn't want to be here just because his sort of the love of his life and his son are here you know it's like he's he's ignoring that key fact right well yeah he's like it's like oh yeah you want to come here and work construction it's like yeah because it's so much better yeah i i mean it, it it does seem like if i were i don't know i also feel like that house is that household is way too controlled by this like ominous paternalistic dad. like yeah. it's a little I don't bit like insane it. like it's a throwback because i feel i don't know i'm just different too like if my dad ever tried to pull that shit with me i'd be like no uh-uh like, are you kidding me? Or I would have said something like, uh, hi, maybe he just loves me and his kid. Like, back the fuck off, man. <laughs> yeah, Kalani's definitely not... She's terrified of her father. Uh, yeah, she's not standing up to her dad. She's not acting like an independent person. And Asuelo's the one suffering. Yeah. And, you know, that, I think that's going to be the real conflict. It's not about her dad no. not liking him and leaning and all this crap. It's really, is Kalani going to be able to kind of accept her role as the matriarch of her own nuclear family yeah no and and not just continue to be the daughter but she's that's all she ever has been even i know even as oliver's mother she's still the daughter yeah because i know like her mom's there takes care of that baby yeah i know and now her her man is here the the father's there and the question is going to be is is essentially she going to be able to cut the apron strings yeah and i'm really not sure I, to be yeah i'm not you. sure either it's and i don't think asuelo is going to force her to do it either because he respects her too much well and he respects the family i think he's not going to force because then it means he doesn't have to do it either well i don't know i mean it's the, the whole comment he made about oh i might just have to go back home i think i think it was kind of a throwaway comment but i also think that what was underlying it was sort of a kernel of truth, which is if her family just straight up rejects me, I don't think that Kalani is going to choose me. I think she's going to choose them. I think that's what he was really saying, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure he's wrong. No, he's probably not wrong. And it'd be one thing if Kalani was 21, you know, but she's old enough. She's I don't 30. know. I wonder why she's so sort of stunted in this way. Well, because you know? I imagine that they're probably funding a lot of her lifestyle. It could be money. And probably, that, that was, and yeah. probably leanies as well. 
Yeah. You know, I mean. It's like, okay, you two are going to live together and you're going to sort of clean up this mess that Kalani went and got pregnant and, you know. Yeah, and you guys are going to live know, this in This is how you're going to atone for it. I don't know. I just, I I, it doesn't strike me. It strikes me that she's very dependent on them. And even if it's not for money, it seems like we haven't heard anything about, does she work? You know? No, we have do? no idea. We have no idea. And, you know, maybe she's financially dependent on them. She certainly is dependent on them in terms of um, taking care of their, of Oliver. I mean, the mother goes there every day. So... Well, we'll see if she's able to pivot and if they kind of let her go. I, you know, I don't know. They, it's very up in the air. But like I said, it also seems like it's it's part of the show. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a drama thing. So I can't really tell what's real. Yeah, it's true. But I don't think Asuelo can either, which is the sad thing. I'm definitely team Asuelo. I am too. I like him. For he the record. seems very sweet and he seems very sincere. A, a thousand percent. He's like the most painfully earnest person I've ever seen on the show. Mm-hmm. Which isn't a high bar, but, you know. Well, we'll see what happens next week because I think that was the end of this episode. Yes, it was. And we'll try to be better about um, posting these sooner rather than later so that they come up um, pretty shortly there after the uh, episode is aired. And we're yeah. now on iTunes. So if you listen to podcasts on the podcast app, look us up there and subscribe to our podcast and don't forget to give us a five-star rating a hundred percent and i think we're also on overcast now too okay. which i understand is pretty popular cool so all right guys well thanks for listening thank and you. until next time bye. bye legal disclaimer this is a personal podcast just for fun solely meant for entertainment purposes We are lawyers, but we're not giving any legal advice on the podcast. We're not creating any kind of attorney-client relationship in the podcast. And also keep in mind that anything we say, anything at all, it's just our personal opinions. We have no intention of maligning any individual, group, company, religious or ethnic group, nationality, or anything or anyone else. Lisa and Katie have no affiliation with TLC. These are not the opinions of TLC. And finally, anything that we say is not meant to represent anyone other than Lisa Freitas and Katie Saad individually. Finally, please give a, leave us a comment on our Facebook page and give us a five-star rating on whatever podcast service you're using to help us continue to record. Thank you.